Brody getting just completely full on killed. Yeah. Um, I don't even know how he comes like, back. How does he come back? Uh, I'm I'm sure there's a you know cosmic cube. <laughs> it's always a cosmic comics. cube it's, it's always it's a cube comics, the infinity stone yada 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 realities converging I don't know um, it really right. shows how much that event didn't matter that we're all just yeah. like Rhodey's back alright fine whatever <laughs> All right, we are live yet again with another episode of The Key Live. Today is July 3rd, which is pretty much just July 4th Eve. And so to uh, to celebrate and discuss and to really dissect and uh, deconstruct the uh, uh, holiday and how geekdom... Uh, is related. We are talking about America and comics. I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira. And uh, if you're watching this live, uh, you're watching this on one of four platforms that we stream to. We do a live stream so you can see our pretty faces. Uh, our main platform that we stream to is volume.com. So if you're not on volume.com slash the Keeg show, you're probably on one of our other platforms and that's fine. Like, comment, subscribe, thumbs up, wink and a kiss, whatever you want to do, uh, us there. But we dr do draw the chat from volume.com slash the Keeg Show. Uh, so if you're not there, we won't be able to really see the chat if you're leaving any comments or whatever. Uh, but if you're not uh, watching this live, you're probably listening to this as a podcast, and you're probably doing that on Apple Podcast or Spotify or uh, SoundCloud or Google Play, uh, and that is cool too. You just can't see our pretty faces. Uh, so, you know, look us up on social media and maybe you can kind of put a face to the name. Who are the names? Well, I've introduced myself, Dimitri Pereira, host of The Keeg and The Keeg Live, but I have two awesome guests with me tonight or today. Well, today here, it might be tonight on the East Coast if you consider yeah. six o'clock the night. Uh, uh, I think you guys are both East Coast, right? Uh, Brian Long, everyone. Brian Long, introducing Brian Long. Uh, Brian, uh, what's a quick fact about you? What's a quick fact? I, oh, I, these are the things I hate the most. I hate icebreaker games. We're like, fun facts. Uh, I live in New Jersey. Um, uh, okay. It is six o'clock. I consider it nighttime. I don't know. Hi, yeah. everybody. Uh, I'm a high uh, school teacher. There you go. There's my fun fact. Yeah. I, I, know, I know two things about Jersey, and that is Sopranos and Kamala okay. Khan. That's all I got. Okay. Hey. I mean, 50% positive representation, 50% yeah. uh, iffy, yeah. give or take. But <laughs> yeah. we'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> well, uh, glad to have you, Brian. Glad to have you back. Uh, both Brian and our next guest have been on Comic Talk that we do on Thursday nights. So uh, we, we've gone from talking about comics to talking about comics. This should be a different <laughs> show, but I feel like this is very similar. Uh, Justin Musso, everybody. Justin, you're in Florida, right? I am, yeah. It is... Yeah. Uh, it is one of those rare times where it is uh, not as hot as the rest of the country, thanks to some terrifying heat waves. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm down here, Rain in the Fourth, down here yeah. in Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like we, we have three corners of three corners of the U.S. right here. I'm in California. You got Brian in New Jersey and Justin in Florida. And I feel like that's a good cross section for talking about America and comics. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. uh, I feel sorry for the Midwest. 
and anything else that's not represented here. We should have had, I should have had 50 guests. I should have had that's, one from every state <laughs> representing their state, talking about America. The Keeg Initiative, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sign them up, make a Keeg, a different Keeg show in each state. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but you got to register first. You got to mm, register. Of course. Um, um, oh, I didn't even think about. I didn't even think about that whole event and how that's going to tie in, but we're definitely going to cover civil war. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't think about that at all. Anyway, um, we're, we're here to talk about America and comics and what that means. Uh, and it means a lot of different things. We're going to touch on a bunch of different things. Um, uh, I'm tr- how do you, how do you even dive into this? America, obviously like the comic books in general, Marvel and DC specifically are based in the US, right? A good majority of these comic book characters that we know and love were created not only in like the 30s and then later the 60s, uh, but also like uh, in America, very specifically American, right? Like I know Europe has its own comics. Um, I grew up with Tintin and Asterix. Uh, personally, because uh, those were my dad's comics, and um, uh, but America has the foot, like the 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 like the grip on like comic books in general, not manga excluded, but like American comics, Marvel and DC. Um, and I mean, we're gonna definitely talk about these characters and how they've developed over time and whatnot. Um, does anyone want to jump in and? Uh, well- yeah, I, I mean, at. to kind of comment on what you were just saying, I think that comic books are one of the true, wholly American art forms, right? It's one of the few mm. things that, like, was truly built in America that was um, uh, branching out from American identity and, and very specifically American immigrant identity because so many of mm. those early comic book writers and artists were first-generation immigrants, particularly first-generation uh, Jewish immigrants, um, dating from Superman with Siegel and Schuster. Then you get you know, Jack Kirby, Joe Simon, Stan Lee, um, all those guys are, are very rooted in that immigrant identity. And I think that plays into so much of what they do with those original characters and how those characters evolve over time. So I think the, the immigrant American identity in particular is part of the lifeblood of comic books and ends up shaping so much of the conversation we have around these characters. Yeah. I think it's very interesting that you bring that up because uh, uh, the comic books kind of were, were started by immigrants and Jew- and Jewish Americans and Jewish American immigrants. And uh, uh, when people say, like, keep politics out of my comics, uh, I was telling this to Brian earlier, as we've all heard it, because we're all on TikTok. We're all TikTok creators <laughs> here. Uh, uh, or, or even we're just alive. Like, we don't have to be on TikTok to have heard this, but keep politics out of my comics. Keep politics out of my Star Wars. Like, keep politics out of my, like, allegories for politics. How does that work? It's a weird, uh, weird thing. But, yeah, um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very silly argument uh, because... Again, like like th- there's there's not really a whole lot of examples of like truly apolitical art, and like especially when you look at like 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 you know like like these characters and like these comics that were the first generation were almost wholly and entirely political. Like like they all they all 
involved either like directly fighting, you know, the Axis powers like on the front lines or fighting those powers who had somehow invaded America and were like on, on the home front. Um, like there's the, yeah, the, 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 it, it's, it's comics are always political. Comics are always going to push an agenda because that's what the art form is. It's, it's and wh whether that is like directly like propaganda, like cap socking Hitler in the face and like, like helping to like help right. the war effort. Or if it's just, yeah, espousing on like what American ideals and the ch constantly shifting, you know, American dream decade to decade. It's like comics are always going to have that. And that's kind of also what makes them a great medium is that you get, you can have allegory and you can actually have like very direct metaphor and have a, a good way of conveying it in a pretty concise and easy to digest package. Yeah. And I think it's worth noting, because we, we, I think Captain America is probably the most famous example. Um, I think him and, and Wonder Woman are two characters that have a creator pushing forward an ideology most at their core. Um, but talking about Captain America first, it's worth noting Captain America number one, the famous Punching Hitler cover, is published in 19, March of 1941. Mm -hmm. Pearl Harbor doesn't happen until December of 1941. So mm -hmm. it's very much Jack Kirby and Joe Simon saying America is not involved in this war effort, but we should be. Yeah, so we should is, we should right. be concerned about this. Like we like this is yeah. he is he is not just a threat to Europe, he is a threat to everyone. Right, right. And there's a Amer story that I love. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say, like, even before we even joined the war effort in World War II, like it, it it's in uh them essentially stating that like uh even though they're in Europe. Hitler goes against American ideals. American yes. America as a whole should be anti-Hitler. Like, shouldn't we mm -hmm. all agree? Don't we all agree? Oh, we don't? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you have, to put some historical context on that, you have 1939, uh, the infamous Madison Square Garden Nazi rally, where a group of mm -hmm. American Nazis held a, like, pro-Hitler, pro-Third Reich rally right in Jack Kirby City. Um, yeah. And there's a story that I love where after Captain America number one comes out, supposedly, uh, you know, this is maybe apocryphal, but I like to believe it's true because it adds to the legend of Kirby. Um, but there's <laughs> a, a story where uh, some guys from the German-American Bund, the essentially pro-Nazi American party, yeah. show up at the offices and uh, yeah. they tell the secretary, like, bring down the guy who draws Captain America. We want to we want to tell him what we think. And they go up and tell Jack, and Jack doesn't say a word. He just, like, puts down his pencil, rolls up his sleeves, and goes downstairs to meet the guys. But apparently they had left, which is probably a good thing, because Jack grew up in a rough part of New York back then, and he probably could have kicked their asses. Yeah, there, <laughs> right. there's a, there's a, there's a, like, Jack Kirby is directly the reason of, like, Cap getting back up and throwing himself into fights. Like, that is, like, <laughs> that is, that Jack, Jack Kirby is the Brooklyn part of the Brooklyn soul of Captain America that you can't quite right. ever truly remove. Right. He's Absolutely. the thing. Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Basically, yeah. No, really, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in so many ways, the thing being Jewish and, like, mm -hmm. he's of, he's, like, of the people, Yancey Street, yes. you know? Mm -hmm. um, uh, but, like, 
it, it's interesting. I was I was telling Brian, I was like, what I didn't realize until literally like right now before the show is that it, it would be synonymous with uh, uh, or, or uh, analogous to another country doing a comic book where Tintin punches uh, FDR or something. You know what I mean? Like, like. Like oh yeah, it, it was it was it, it, it was crazy. It, it's crazy. Like, like when like, that happened, and like right. the, there wasn't like as like a much bigger response to that happening at the time. Because right. yeah, because yeah, like, we we were we were not a country at war. It was not it was not in like the peak of like the like anti Hitler anti Nazi like propaganda. We were we were still very much sitting out of it and like not letting ourselves get dragged in. So like yeah, right. to have to have that statement being made on newsstands for kids to pick up for a dime a piece, it's really like, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, keep in mind that like when when we as like the American mainstream, when we think of uh, World War II, there's a lot of revisionist history going on, right? Mm-hmm. And that like a good majority of Americans did not want to join the war effort. They thought, hey, the Jews are over there, not a big deal. Hitler's over there. We're not getting uh, involved. You know, it's not that big of a deal. Let's not allow Jewish refugees into the into the thing. We didn't like we didn't even take them on as like like being like, let's not join the war, but let's help them as they come here. Let's get them over here and help them here. Nah, we didn't we didn't we didn't mm-hmm. do that. And uh, um, and uh, oh, uh, thank you. Deadly Nightshade 666 for uh, raiding us on uh, on Twitch uh, with with a couple of viewers. Thank you so much. Deadly Nightshade. Very um um, what was I gonna say? I was I was gonna uh, say something. Revisionist and history, yeah. Revisionist history and joining the war effort. Uh, uh, I swear, I was going somewhere with it. <laughs> and uh, well, it's it's it's, it's, it's interesting yeah. to 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 bookend that to what you were saying though about like not really wanting to lend a hand to anyone else to to not want to try to play sides yet in in a, in a war that we were not did not want to get involved in. Uh, to to book in and modern history with the comic that is your background, uh, Dimitri, the the mm-hmm. United States of Captain America. That's a, that's yeah. a point that like uh, like Steve Rogers talks about in the opening pages of the book is about how like you know like there 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 are two American dreams. The one that is inherently a lie, which is because he 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 talks he, he references about the the German phrase for having nostalgia for a place you've never been or that's never existed. Mm-hmm. And says he's like we have he's like we here have a word for that too and it's Americana, it's like a white picket the dream of a white picket fence can just as quickly become a gate to keep other people out. It's like we don't like 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 we that's we've never had the good old days like the Norman Rockwell oil painting days those never existed, yeah. um, and how like the other dream that isn't a reality but is the thing that we are constantly striving for and towards is that idea that we we can be better together and that we can work and like specifically calls out he's like we there was a time where you know we have the statue of liberty and we we have promised people to come here to get a better life to get a fresh start to get their chance of the american dream and all we handed them was a raw deal of of othering them and of belittling them and of of you know not giving them the fair shot that you know, the Statue of Liberty kind of promises. Um, and like he, and he talks about how that is, you know, he, he himself has become a divisive figure, even if he personally, you know, even when he is not standing for the, the popular ideals, 
but he he chooses to fight for that second American dream over the first one every time. Yeah. Um. Uh. Why am I blanking on literally everything I'm, I'm I I want to talk about? Uh. Never mind. Whatever. Well, if I could uh, Brian jump in with a comment there, it's yeah. it's even funny that you you uh, evoke Norman Rockwell there because he is a symbol of Americana, and yet Rockwell famously had a lot of paintings that painted the uglier side of America. That famous painting of Ruby Bridges as she was being escorted mm-hmm. into the school uh, to be integrated. Right, like he yeah. was even recognizing that there are imperfections in America, and that this ideal is a fragile thing that has to be protected. Um, And I think Justin, you even said this about this Captain America comic, when these symbols are put out there, people can take them and use them however they want, right? And that's kind Mm -hmm. of what Steve is grappling with. Uh, The panel that really stood out to me in that issue is there's a panel of a guy in like what appears to be like a grocery store or something. And he's wearing a Captain Mm -hmm. America t-shirt and he's like screaming at a woman, like clearly berating her. And there was so much in that panel because it just makes me think about, and I, I'm going to say like a, a hot take here a little bit, but it, it frustrates me that there are people out there who are fans of superheroes, particularly Captain America, Superman, Batman, and then espouse very hateful views, whether they be misogynistic, homophobic, whatever, uh, racist, because you look at that and you're like, you know who wouldn't be racist, misogynistic, and homophobic? Superman, Captain America. Yeah, these- these characters that you that you claim to love so much um right again again that's that's kind of this and it's an interesting thing of like for for there you know while there are obviously plenty of comic book fans who just voraciously will read all the comics from every from any decade from any time and keep up with modern stuff as well there is sort of this mindset uh, similar to, you know, the, the theory that people believe that the cast of SNL that was on when they were 13 is to their mind, the best cast <laughs> and no other cast before it or after it is as good. I feel, I feel like there's kind of that in, in, in some more, not even necessarily a casual comic reason, but like in a certain subset of, of comic book fans where like the, the bat their their Batman when they were 13 their Superman their cap when they were 13 is their cap and any newer takes on it cannot be treated in the same light as as the one that the version that got them into you know comics in the first place and it's it's an interesting way to try to like you know t- to you know to put it into a cap metaphor to essentially freeze refreeze him again into this <laughs> one narrow way and that with as with a lot of especially fictional characters and an interesting thing that i think i don't know there's as many like characters in fiction as superheroes to constantly be changing to reflect the times that they are in um as and and into you know like it's it's comics have always served as a mirror to society and like far before you know the the you know the this late you know twenty first like the mid mid the going of the mid twenty first century it's like you know you you read you read the you know the iconic Green Arrow Green Lantern run from the seventies and it's like they were talking about real stuff they were talking about addiction and about race and about you know the the the, the notion of a street level hero who is supposed to be for the people only being for a select of those people. Um, and like really kind of calling it out and 
again, like that's like that's like that's like the thing that I'm always interested in. That, again, always make it will always make me mad. As the people try to be like, you know, if Cap really were unfrozen and he were around in the 40s, he would actually probably be racist or, you know, he'd be a bigot. And it's like, not necessarily, A, not necessarily, because not everyone around in the 40s was a racist or a bigot. But also, B, the beautiful thing about him is he doesn't have to be. Like, that's like, the, 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 whole, the whole allure of Captain America is not this, like, idea of the good old days. It's, it's the idea of somebody who has fought for American ideals for decades and yeah. has always wanted to, again, like he, like there, there's, there's a whole screed. I, I, I'm trying to remember which comic it's from, but he does go on a whole thing about, you know, the, the kind of the, the difference between like nationalism and patriotism and, you know, kind of, kind of borrowing, I think it's the FDR. It's, it's one of the, I can't for life me remember which Roosevelt said it, but it was, it was essentially a, the, the belief of how like, when you when you fight for a country because you love that country, that's patriotism. But when you don't recognize the flaws of that country and refuse to not f always fight for that country, regardless of what it is and how it is treating its citizens, that's nationalism. And it's like Captain America is patriotic. Like that's yeah. why he's patriotic because he he again he believes you know the, the whole the whole you know no you move no plant yourself like a river beside the, 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 the river a tree beside the river of truth and say no you move like that is a hundred percent that's like his like when when you fight for what you believe in and what you what he knows is right and again constantly constantly cap is very much a person who's like hey what i believed in at this point wasn't right and i recognize that like now that like it wasn't right and like you know like like, like no like Civil War uh, was kind of a big point where he was like, "I we did we went about it a whole long, and if we could have just been like actually civil and like talked it out and not just devolved into like punching and you know throwing things and chasing each other around, like we could have probably come to it actually like realize that you know again we weren't really on opposite sides of this. We just didn't agree with the way that it was going about and let it get out of hand." Yeah, and, and while uh, we're on that subject of Oh, sorry, Dimitri. Jump in. Well, no, there was just a couple of thoughts because uh, my thoughts are catching up to me. One is uh, uh, just tying it in with like comic comics are inherently political. It's like asking for like Aesop fables that don't teach you a lesson. It's like, <laughs> what well, whatever happened to the good old days with those fab with those classic fables that taught me nothing? Like mm -hmm. you're not listening to the fables, my friend. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, uh, that's. That's all I got. I forgot the rest. Anyway, <laughs> no, you're Brian, good. Brian, well, Brian, I, yeah, Brian, what are you gonna say? Yeah, I was gonna say that the the idea of of creators putting their ideologies into things goes into Wonder Woman as well. Um, there's actually a really mm -hmm. good biopic of William Moulton Marston that came out a couple of years ago called yeah. Mr. Marston and Wonder Woman, which I highly recommend because it's just cool seeing a biopic done about comic creators. You don't really get to see that. Um, but it's so interesting reading about that guy and and his wife and their lover. Um, talking about how his whole philosophy was that he felt that women were the superior gender and his whole point in creating Wonder Woman was to make young boys more accepting of women in positions of strength and power. So he had an ideology in creating that character. He had a very specific uh, idea in mind that he was trying to espouse to people. Um, and I think that so much of what you were saying about the 13 year old thing, I think part of the reason for that is when you're 13, you don't understand the political allegories that are at play. 
you don't understand how those things are actually being presented by writers because you don't have the awareness of the world. And I guarantee you, if a lot of those people who you know espouse that belief went back and looked at things like the the original Secret Empire arc, which is clearly about Watergate, or look at uh -huh. the Mark Gruenwald run of Captain America, the John Walker arc in particular, there's some pretty hard hitting stuff in that story that I think still rings true to this day um, mm -hmm. that I imagine went over a lot of 13 year olds heads. Um, but reading it now, you're like, wow, these comics really have always been about the times that they're in. And it probably helps that they come out month by month. They don't have yeah. the disadvantage of films or television where they have to spend months creating it, then it could be out of date. There's a faster turnaround. So it can be more right. relevant and topical. That definitely factors into, cause I had to do a, uh, do a, a video, uh, essay on, um, the Vietnam war and comics. And so the Vietnam war they got like, they literally had a month by month uh, kind of, uh, 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 you know, stories, right? That like, that, you know, movies or TV can't do. And then you could only see that on the news. So as far as fiction is concerned, comics were the only thing to keep up with the Vietnam War. Right. Um, what I wanted to uh, mention earlier and that I forgot, but now I remember, is that like all these characters, they do change over time just by the inherent nature of fiction and editorial like decisions, right? Um, but how do these characters stay the same character over time, regardless of the decisions they're making is by having like a strong point of view. So when you're writing scripts or when you're doing improv, like a character's point of view, you know how they will react in any given situation, wherever you put them. That's why like good SNL sketches have characters with strong point of view. You put, you can put Gilly in space and get, you know what Gilly's going to do in space because she has a strong point of view. And so characters like Captain America, when you realize, and this is something that I had found out about Captain America in like the early nineties is when Captain America stops working for the government. And he's like, I don't, I don't stand for the American government. I stand for America's ideals, right? And uh, that's his point of view. Because once you know his point of view, you know that like no matter who's president, he will always do the same thing. And then you can continue that for 100, 200 years. Um, the, the problem what happens with a lot of other superheroes is that like uh, they, they change too much because they don't have a strong point of view and you got to figure out what that point of view is. Which also mm -hmm. factors into like each each hero, each writer or uh, company wants their hero to be the best at any given situation in any like thing. Like everybody's every superhero is a genius in their own series. Like they, but then like Guy Gardner isn't, and Guy Gardner is a great character because of it. Like you're allowed mm -hmm. to have like flaws, um, um, and uh thinking about the Punisher and how certain people idolize the Punisher that shouldn't be idolizing the Punisher. <laughs> Punisher has a very strong point of view. And to this day, we know. How does he feel about the boys in blue? Well, he's fine with the good ones. He's not fine with the bad ones. <laughs> so if you think that he's going to be backing the boys in blue every single time, you do not know the Punisher. You don't know. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me how people can't be like, you don't even have to be self-aware. You just have to be aware to that's not what the Punisher is all about. And so they mm -hmm. had to literally write it in the comics. Uh, yeah, they, they, they literally had to 
to make a scene where he dressed down a couple of cops who idolized him and had Punisher decals on their cars. And he's right. like, if it, it's like, and like he, he straight up tells them, you want a hero? Get Captain America. Look, look to Captain America. He's a hero. He's the person who does the right thing every time. I do the thing that I think is necessary in order to rid some of the evil of this world. But I do fully admit that I'm not doing the right thing yeah. when I'm when we're going about it the right way. Like right. you have an opportunity as somebody who is supposed to be a service officer of upholding a law and I'm going against it. Right. Right. Um, yeah, and God bless. Uh, I believe, is it Jerry Conway who created the Punisher? I think it's Jerry Conway. Yeah, when he when, uh, when, he, when he, he made his counter merch. Yes, yes, he hmm. he has taken on the Sisyphean task of trying to explain to the public how the Punisher is supposed to work because he gets it as the guy's creator. Um, yeah. But I always I, I like applaud him and feel bad for him at the same time because it's like, man, they just see that skull and they think it's cool. Like that's yeah. that's I think as deep as it goes. Yeah. And, and, and like, and like don't that engage was... with the fiction. Yeah, a couple a couple months back, I did, I I I, I was catching a, a a some amount of heat on TikTok because in in the midst of a series of like what your favorite superhero says about you videos, I I included the Punisher and I'd say that like you either like you either are like a hundred percent understand like and can like treat the Punisher as the sort of like dirty hairy fiction that he is. Or you're a cop who completely misses the point of the Punisher. And, like, I got a lot of people heated being like, no, the Punisher loves the cops. I'm like, the Punisher respects what the police are supposed to be doing, but he does not love the police. And especially any police officer who chooses him as their idol, he really hates because he knows that he's not doing anything illegal or, like, morally good. He's like, I, he, he's, you know, he gave that up a while ago to pursue this dogged, like, to-the-death run of fighting against organized crime and everything in his own extrajudicial way. Um, right. Yeah. Well, and yeah. also, uh, to, yeah, and, it, and, and, sorry, oh, sorry, go, Brian. No, no, go, go. Oh. No, I, I was, well, I, 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 I was, gonna, I was going to pivot. So if you have anything to say about the Punisher before I do, uh, Oh, I was just going to simply say that, like, I think that it's interesting. It, I, I think it was Garth Ennis. And I know, Dimitri, you're not the biggest Garth Ennis fan. But I do think I, I right like I like his Punisher. Uh, I like his Punisher. Oh, okay. Because, awesome, awesome. I like his Punisher, I can, yeah, sorry, I, I can deal with him in Punisher. But, sorry, continue. <laughs> right. And I think he's reined in a little bit by Marvel Editorial when he writes Punisher. Yeah. Um, but he has... He has a philosophical idea that Punisher has to... That Frank Castle has to be a Vietnam War veteran. Specifically. And I think that says a lot. It kind of functions, Punisher is like a, a counterweight to Captain America in a way. If Captain yeah. America is American idealism, then Frank Castle is the people who America's uh, uh, in brutal like way of churning its citizens through the, the military machine has failed, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sure, the Punisher has like a lot of other mental issues that weren't just caused by being in Vietnam, but he is a representation of this idea of specifically the veterans that have fallen through the cracks in our country, even mm -hmm. though we claim to want to respect the troops and uphold them and, and protect them, and yet we let so many of them down and fail so many of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, but Punisher I, I, I was going to say... Uh, no, go, 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 go. Punisher is definitely America's failure. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. just like Vietnam is the failed war, America's failed superhero. His the the, the he's he's a superhero who's who's a product of the failure of America to support their veterans and uh, uh, just everything, which is kind of the dif- difference between him and Captain America. Captain America is the past, but also the future. And Punisher is the present because mm-hmm. let's be honest. We don't serve. Do we serve veterans uh, uh, better now in these wars uh, than we did in Vietnam? I, I, I don't know. Maybe, I don't have the numbers for that, but I feel like we fail our veterans every single day. There's a lot of superficial stuff that is better now, you know, like yeah. we're not calling soldiers, baby killers and things like that when they come back. Yeah. But then there's also a lot of systemic failures, whether it's mm-hmm. uh, underfunding of the VFW or, or poor treatment for mental health related issues. There's all kinds of failings in that department. And, but that's often coded over with a lot of pomp and circumstance that doesn't yeah. give anything substantial to these people that have lost a lot, right. whether physically or mentally and emotionally. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know I, I on the topic uh, before we were recording um, of like, you know, in, in looking at these like nationalistic heroes of, you know, your Captain America, Superman characters who are like very evidently like indicative of America and how Wonder Woman has, you know, be kind of, you know, became and like was in the same fold. And of the kind of the question of like, well, how? Because she's an Amazon and like and like these questions like that. It's like the answer actually lies with uh, George Perez's run on Wonder Woman from the eighties, okay. where he he literally there's an entire issue that basically explains this is why Diana's costume contains like red, white, and blue and stars and like <laughs> stars and stripes and like this. And it, it's it's because of Steve Trevor's mom, who was a, an Air Force test pilot, who got like was testing out a new fighter jet and got like struck by lightning and crashed on paradise Island um, where the Amazons were in like a heated battle with like a demon from the underworld, like the door of Hades and like seeing that this group of women, like with swords and everything, like in the middle of fights, she's like, all right, I got to fight with them. And so she like jumps in and like fights against this, like drives this evil back and manages to kill it, but also is killed in the process. Um, and so Hippolyta deigns that she is worthy of a warrior's death for fighting and going out the way she did and fighting in defense of the Amazons and everything. And so takes three things from her that become tantamount to the trials of the Amazons. Uh, one is the, her name, which was Diana, uh, which they would pass on when they create Wonder Woman out of clay in that particular origin story of hers, um, that, that they, they, they passed on that name to her. Uh, the second thing was her service piece, which became the final trial of the Amazons, where they would shoot a bullet at the Amazon and they had to deflect it with their bracers to prove that they, you know, could use the use them to the way that they need to be used. And the third was they took the tattered remains of her uniform and like the American flag that she had and made two sets of armor based on that. And the first they buried, they, they, they not buried, but they, they had her laid in uh, as part of her funeral rites, as part of her warrior's burial. And the second was made for whoever would eventually become the champion of the Amazons would wear that same suit of armor. So like that is 
that is why in, in at least in this and that iteration explaining why her particular set of armor happens to be very american patriotic right and, and that, that okay that, i didn't know that a that rules that, yeah. that like is the raddest thing i've ever heard i'm mad that's not always brought up all the time b mm-hmm. it is a little bit freudian that he has oh that she has oh, yeah, that, 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 yeah. but <laughs> yeah that you know but everything I'm else sh- about sure that rules super yeah. hard <laughs> And I'm sure it's a thing that, that, that Steve has to try to like keep out of mind, especially if she's like, yeah, like you're no, you're like, your mom, your, your mom was a hero of the Amazons. Like I'm named after her. Uh, and it's like, oh, okay. So it's not just a common name. All right, cool. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but everything else about that, that's incredible. I, I love yeah. that backstory. I've never heard that before. It's a cool backstory, <laughs> but that being said, that's to, that's after the fact, right? That's in the age. Sure. Right? Oh yeah. That's, that, like, yeah, that, that is in the 80s because it, it was it was never really like I, I think it was because like people I, to, I was about to say people didn't really get started getting that like, super nitpicky about those kind of questions in the 80s but I know for a fact in the 60s they were too they've always been that way <laughs> yeah um but I think I think it was just like a thing that was never really like brought up in the comics like no one ever turned to Diana and went hey why is you why are you all like America why are you all like dressed like the Statue <laughs> yeah. of Liberty why is this why is this like a thing? Um, yeah. They were just they were just too 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 busy, you know, fighting Starro and like you know what whoever was like coming in to threaten the Justice League that week to like yeah. take a minute and, qu- and fully question her costuming choices. Yeah, um, wasn't there part of the backstory that like, or maybe not the Perez run, but maybe even earlier, is that she dressed up in America's flag because she was an ambassador for Themyscira to America, the capital of the world, right? Like wasn't there like a thing like that? I want like, to I, I want to say there was. I want to say like the, the the kind of the kind of the origin that is presented in the first Wonder Woman movie is similar to kind of the the original comic origin where Steve Trevor you know crash landed amongst the Amazons and yeah you know so you know went with with back with him to America and so you know looks like her hers like that and there, there there's there's I, I I would imagine there are other in universe reasons why her, her costume is that way. But I, I happen to like the Perez version the most just because not yeah. only does it like kind of full circle be like, and this is, this brings Steve Trevor's whole like friggin' family into it. Uh, yeah. Um, but also because it's like, this, this is like, you know, she was a hero of the Amazon. So of course they would, you know, recognize her regalia as like the regalia of a warrior and with like a great warrior who gave her life, who didn't know the Amazons who just threw them with them for a, a huge battle and like died because of it. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. Like we're going to honor her. Yeah. 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 That's, that's cool. Sound. I love that. <laughs> um, as we're, we're talking about these national heroes, uh, we're talking about Captain America. We're talking about Wonder Woman. Superman is a big one. Right. Um, and it's mm-hmm. interesting because Brian brought up that like, uh, uh, you know, uh, S- Superman, uh, well, a lot of these comic creators are immigrants, uh, uh, and then they're also, uh, a lot of them were Jewish, and Superman specifically is an immigrant to this planet. He lands in Kansas, America, heart of the Midwest, raised by a classic American family, um, and... Uh, uh, he grows up as an American. So truth, justice, the American way, that's a huge thing. Uh, I know that a lot of the comics are, are uh, uh, um, 
retconned or changed because of the the radio adaptation and like you know that adds stuff and then the uh later with the with the live action show and whatnot so kind of all feeds into each other but the point being is that like superman stands for america and that changes over time as as we get like updates with superman um I think in a way, and to t- kind of talk on those changes, because it yeah. kind of feels like the opposite of Captain America, where we expect Captain America to address America's current societal uh, uh, challenges, right? But I don't, at least me personally, I don't necessarily always have that same expectation with Superman. And I right. think maybe well, part and- of that is because Superman... Go ahead. No, no, I, and, and yeah, I, we'll, we'll finish what you were going to say, sorry. Oh, I, I was going to say, I think part of that is just simply because Superman has so much power it seems like confining him to one nation kind of takes away from how much he has like steve rogers obviously has you know greater strength than most mortal men but still has that connection and and anchor to america he can't fly he can't breathe in space he still is very much ostensibly immortal um versus yeah. superman who seems like if you restrict him to just america you're taking away something from the character somewhere Oh yeah, um, and, and and yeah, like that that is kind of interesting. Of like, it's it's also like different in their origins. Where like Captain America was created for America, like he was he was there to help with the war effort, and like in, in World War Two, and like Superman just happened to be adopted into into America and being raised in America, and you know, taught, taught to fight for what, what he believed in and in his, in his own, you know, what, what he was taught were like the American ideals and yeah, the truth, justice, and the American way of, you know, the, uh, in that same way where like they're, they, you know, mentally they are very ideologically similar in, in, in that regard of like, yeah, like, like Superman far outpowers Captain America, but it's still just that fact of like they both still very much want to kind of stick up for the little guy and like yes. help you use use what they've been given to help as many people as they can, uh, which is a thing that I feel like especially with Superman can kind of get a bit you know lost in 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 translation depending on you know who is writing him or who is who is utilizing him that he yes he is a powerhouse yes he is a heavy you know arguably one of, if not the heaviest hitter in the DC universe. Um, again, depending on who's writing him, but right. he, at, at, at his core, he is somebody who wants to help and will like use his super hearing to like fly off as soon as he can to help anyone at any moment because he can. And because he was taught, you know, if, if you have these, literally he was given the same speech that Spider-Man was given. Um, that if, if, if you, if, if you have these powers and you're not using them to help people, then you're, what, what are you, what are you doing with your life? It is right. sort, of, sort of this, which, which also, again, feed, feeds on, a, on an aspect of Superman that I feel gets overlooked a lot, which is self-doubt is he is also someone who is constantly questioning whether he is doing the right thing, whether he is utilizing his powers properly, you know, like agonizes anytime he has to go more than standard force on somebody, um, and like, and, but like, yeah, like of just like serving the country that he has adopted, his adopted homeland that has provided, uh, literally provided a family for him and like a way to grow up. Um, 
is is interesting and interesting and, and, and too in that in that like duality of being an immigrant and being the creation of immigrants of having that you know that honoring the family that raised him with the family he came from and where he can like and trying to learn like learn more about krypton and learning more about what what it was like on on a place that for many years in the comics he didn't think he could ever find again and like learn more about other than you know the odd little snippet left behind here and there across the galaxies yeah um it's interesting that you you say adopted and i i know adopted definitely works for superman but like superman came here when he was a baby like yes he is adopted but essentially he's he's this like refugee he doesn't know anything else he's can't comes as a baby like mm-hmm. It makes sense to me that, like, you would call Superman American. Right. Like, he is, it, he is it, absolutely American, yeah. Right. Um, and he grew up with those ideals, and then later, like, depending on the writer or the, or the continuity, he either has powers when he's a kid or he learns he has powers later. But uh, uh, um, he's always that farm boy. But he's not mm-hmm. the farm boy in the worst way which is like like ultimate captain america is like right like he's not he's, that he's... way <laughs> oh and, uh, and, and that's uh, what's that's what's really funny is that like sort of like how cap's ideologies have kind of like the self-reflection has kind of come on in, in like the last you know couple of decades of like you know his his trust his inherent trust in the government that they're doing the right thing his inherent trust in in the average american citizen that you know, left to their, that they are, they're going to uphold the same values that he has been trying to uphold. But like, it's, it's also been that interesting thing too, of like Superman, especially is somebody who like, uh, through, through the nineties and into the like early two thousands was sort of like the kind of running joke kind of became that he was this fossil. He was like this antique of, you know, the old guard of like the old way, like, you know, like, you know, I mean, yeah, you can look at him in like kingdom come of being one, like one of the like, last remaining superheroes but like the, the one that i always look at is the um what's so funny about truth justice in the american way yeah which is you know a, a story where like literally he is it, he is put up like against he butts heads with a new young group of heroes who you know are not afraid of like going for gratuitous violence and like ending yeah. things in the most like spectacularly violent way possible and like not caring about being role models people and like that is i think a thing like like superman like can't kind of comprehend because it's like whether whether you want to or not when you put on a cape and start fighting crime you are going to inspire people one way or the other whether either whether it's in the ways you want them to be inspired or whether it's through your actions if they choose not to listen to the message behind it um and like that's that's kind of another thing is is that you know when, when you when you look at Captain America and, and these nationalistic heroes and Superman as like idols. Um, and like, that's kind of, that, that's kind of like another layer of the responsibility that they have that, you know, Superman feels he has and that cap feels that he has and has seen it be used counter to what he believes in. Because like you're talking about in that, in that issue of the dude screaming while wearing a Captain America shirt. And then also, uh, and like in, in the same, it's like kind of like a splash page where it's like there's three big panels because there's there's the dude in the, like a cap shirt screaming at this woman in a grocery store. 
there's a woman who is like bored at a receptionist bored painting her nails surrounded by Captain America merchandise. Uh, <laughs> and it's just like, that's like, she's just like selling off toys of Captain America. Um, and then like a third panel of like a, an angry mob somewhere burning a Captain America effigy. And so it's like, it's this thing where like, when you, when you become a symbol, it, it's, it's kind of that hard thing. Like, like, yeah, Batman can enjoy like, you know, turning himself into a symbol to like help everything. But it's also like when you, when you become a symbol, people stop viewing you as a person and start like either using, can, can start using you to either justify their own actions or to shout at you when you are not what they anticipate you were supposed to be as a symbol. Like that's, that's the entirety of Sam's run as Captain America is literally just having yeah, to yeah. fight against a system and a country that like, for a lot, for a, a large, a loud percentage of the population, if not a large one, tells them like point blank, "You're not my Captain America. Like, well, you, you don't deserve to wear this shield. You don't deserve to be Cap." And it's yeah, I think him. that that. Sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, 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 go, go, go. Well, I was gonna say, I think that Nick Spencer run on Sam Wilson Captain America kind of got overshadowed by all the controversy with. Hydra Cap, which I think is really a shame mm -hmm. because I think those ideas that he was exploring in that book were really interesting and are clearly influential on the recent Falcon and the Winter Soldier show. Oh, um, yeah. And I think come up constantly whenever there's a changing of the guard, whenever a new legacy hero steps in, especially if they're a legacy hero meant to bring some diversity and inclusivity into the comic universe, you have people react basically the exact same way they react to Sam Wilson in universe yeah. with the like hashtag uh, take back the shield and all that. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I think that it's, it's not even close to being equal though. When Bucky took over the shield from Cap, people right. were like, where's Cap, but also, okay. Like, a lot yeah. of people <laughs> yeah. were like, No one had okay. a problem with it. Sam yeah. takes over the shield, and supposedly, and I didn't know this, Bucky didn't have the super soldier serum at that point when he no. first takes the shield. He gets it during that time. Yeah, so I guess he just had the robot arm at that point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we cannot, they can't argue one or the other, because people do that with the Falcon Winter Soldier show. But when Sam takes up the shield, What's really cool, it comes at the perfect time, and that's during Obama's second uh, term. And it's mm -hmm. not my cap, right? It, it, he's yeah, the first the black, mm -hmm. right? He's the first black Captain America. Uh, they write it in a really good way where they don't outright say these characters in universe are racist, but they say it as, yeah, like it's well, it's it's, <laughs> it's the the first you, like the first issue. Like again, like to show that like this is like Cap dealing with like 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 we were gonna talk about like like modern look look at like modern what what these nationalistic heroes mean in a modern age. The first yeah. issue of Sam Wilson Captain America has him taking on the Serpent Society, who have been picking people off trying to cross over the Mexican border yeah. to sell sons them into yeah the sons of the sons of serpent um right. to to pick off immigrants and, and, and like, like people emigrating over the border from Mexico and like selling them off to super science. It's like, it's like, that's like, that's issue one is like him dealing with people <laughs> like the dehumanization of people immigrating to America. And then like, yeah, like, a, you know, a, another like big overarching plot point of the run is like dealing with the Americots 
and like these this like yeah. jackboot like super cop that like privatized military force that gets sold to a number of countries or uh, cities, but especially New York. Um, and the clash and like the fact that they are like specifically targeting black neighborhoods and like very clearly profiling people and like trying to bring that and everyone be like, no, you're crazy, Cap. That's not what we're about. That's not what we're doing. Like <laughs> full on gaslighting him. Um, right. And like, yeah, it's I was like, it's, it's like, wow, all right, yeah, like like not just going for it. Okay. Yeah, it, it was the same thing in our universe and in the 616. It's this idea that I don't dislike you because you're black. You're just not my president. You're just not mm-hmm. my cat. You you have things wrong with you that 41, 40, 40, 41, whatever, uh, other presidents, uh, they were great. But you are the <laughs> first bad one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's this, like, I'm it's, not racist. I have uh, reasoning behind my racism. I mean, not and, even, and I just thought of this. Uh, people complaining about Sam not having the super soldier serum. Like, okay, then I guess you must hate Batman. Because yeah, that dude doesn't have anything. At least he's got yeah. wings and a vibranium shield and a bunch of other right. stuff. But yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't have the super soldier serum. He just has uh, uh, years of military training, experience <laughs> with you know these drones and with the wings, and literally teaching himself how to fight like Cap in his yeah. backyard in order to get used <laughs> to using the shield before he takes it out in public. Like right, a hundred percent. Just like it, it's it's in and, and like that. Just like I think you know. Yeah, that, that's like I think a big message too in the show is that like. The suit that you know, Cap wasn't the super soldier serum. That didn't. That's that's not what yes. makes Captain America Captain America. The shield is not what makes Captain America Captain America. It is that the person wielding and being Captain America is there to help. And 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 it's like it's like you know, again, it, it's the reason why he has a shield and not a sword. It's it's you know, it, it's it's you know, it's it's there to protect people. Um, right. I think something the show really nailed, and and I feel like there's been a lot of relitigation of Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, lately. People sharing mm-hmm. their like more critical thoughts on it, but I think the thing that the show really, really nailed is the way it portrays Sam Wilson as mm-hmm. almost the therapist superhero. I love that characterization so so much that he's someone who will try to use his words before anything else. Which, if we're thinking of, like, in-character actions, then of course he's going to take the super soldier serum. Because he's always going to try to use words before physical violence. And I think what makes Captain America Captain America is that heart and that ability to give a real good speech. So that's exactly what he does in that Mm -hmm. final episode. So I I think that that is something that I think has been undervalued and underappreciated about that show. Um, and something that I'm really excited to see them continue with in that next Cap movie, because I think yeah. Sam Wilson is one of those characters that I, it, there's many characters like this in comics where have always been around and have always existed in a high profile way. But I feel like no one has ever had a really strong definitive take on him. Unfortunately, I think Nick Spencer got close with some of his run, mm-hmm. but I think that that show came up with a take that I want to see them continue to do that idea. of oh, like, yeah. The therapist superhero, the guy who's going to try to solve problems with words. Right. Mm-hmm. Somebody somebody brought up uh uh like what are good Falcon stories? And I personally don't I didn't like the Falcon until 
a certain point in which they started developing Sam Wilson's character in the comics. Like, I was not a fan of him before that point. Obviously, fan of Sam Wilson, Captain America. And then a little bit previous to it, when they realized that they wanted to invest in Sam Wilson, like, as as editorial was like, let's, let's start making him an actual, like, good character, I was not interested in him. So it's kind of hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, Falcon has some good runs in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Nah, like... Like, I didn't even like Captain America until fairly recent. I, I, I remember trying to get into him. I remember, uh, and I mean, we'll get into real world events, but September 11th happens, and then they released Captain America number one. I think they renumbered it at that point. I'm not quite sure. Yes, but yes. I remember the promotional mm-hmm. art, the promotional art of Captain America with the scale armor jumping out of a helicopter. Cool, badass. He has the 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 nose piece that looks like that, like the Batman mm-hmm. pointy one. And then uh, he's beating up guys in turbans. And, like, it's a lot yeah, of, uh, it's a lot of like, rah rah America, September 11th, which is fine, but also, like... Not really Cap's, not really Cap's, like, yeah. would that really be Cap's response? And, like, and like it, it's, it's, again, it, it's that thing, like, like yeah, like, what, what we've talked about before, it's, like, he's a character kind of at the whim of, and, like, and like it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to, like, brush away being like yeah but everyone was like that in 2001 it's like yeah that was like the push of 2001 but like not everyone was like that and also like yeah i don't i don't think somebody who is like seen as much as like cap has seen would inherently like jump again like he he probably more want to help like which is i think a part of the reason why like ultimate captain america uh was also made not long after that and yeah, Boy, I think that's howdy. when 616 pivoted, right? Like, uh-huh. I feel like when Ultimate Captain America kind of took that, like, role, I feel like 616 Captain America started to pivot away from that role. Otherwise, they, they would have been too similar. Um, and I think that's probably when they realized, oh, may, did Marvel learn their lesson from Ultimate Captain America? Were they like, this is not the Captain America that should be our Captain America, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, I think, I mean... Yeah, like the the ultimate comics universe is such a fascinating thing because it was it was objectively at the time a thing that kept Marvel comics afloat and 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 yeah. if a, a huge lifeline to help bridge the the near bankruptcy they faced in the late '90s and going into the 2000s and it was like kind of the shot in the arm they needed like especially with like yeah. the ultimate Spider-Man comic book which Ooh, was like yeah. really yeah. which was like really good and like. Yeah. And, then, and so in, in, in trying to, like, expand and trying to make, like, okay, we're going to make a more realistic version of the Avengers, of what, what an Avengers that reflects today. And with flaws. They, they leaned in with, like, everyone has a flaw. And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't, we're not, we're not saying that everyone has to be flawless to like them, but, like, not everyone has to be a dick about it. Like, like right. yeah, like, we know that, we, we, we know that Hank Pym kind of had a history of, like, backhanding you know janet like i i and it happened like i think like two or three times in the comics and like the the first time famously and famously by accident yeah Yeah, the artist kind of misinterpreted what the script was saying yeah he wasn't supposed to intentionally hit him yeah yeah, it was really only the one time but somehow that kind of became this like a part of oh yeah hands a white beater like that's a weird thing to take into it yeah and like in, in in the 616 in recent years, especially, they really honestly sat down and like 
had the character be diagnosed with bipolar disorder and like borderline personality disorder of like being untreated and trying to take on all the strain and everything has like had a huge effect and through therapy and through like getting a diagnosis he's able to he's been able to somewhat like come to terms with that and then in the right. ultimate comics universe they're like no he, that's all he does he is going to <laughs> he is going to he's going to attack janet until she forcing her to shrink and then sick ants on her until she's almost killed um, uh, uh well yeah and he sprays raid he sprays yeah. her like psychopathically I am going to rip you apart. Like it's yeah. Ultimate Universe does those things. Yeah, and, but it's like, but and, and but like, yeah, man. Ultimate Cap is just like full on, like actually, like vocally racist and like not caring about it, like not saying like, what did I say? Um, yeah. And it's like again, I think I think you know there is if, if somebody were to point to me being like, so what was like, what was the shift in attitude in comics after nine eleven? I would very specifically point to the panel from Ultimates like one or like whatever, like like like, like the penultimate like of that first couple of issues where <laughs> yeah. he points We're... to his his his, 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 his like, what do you think this A stands for, France? Um right. before beheading an alien. And it's like, okay, um sure. Uh and, and just like and yeah, I give think, Mark Miller an inch and he'll take many miles. He, yeah, yeah, he will he will not stop running. But it was satire. <laughs> Like I get Mark Miller. Mark Miller does some weird things, but he's also a Scot, right? He's not. Yeah. He's not American. So. But but he is, the issue the issue is American exceptionalism through that. Right. And 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 like but but the issue is is that uh, the people who wrote after him didn't really fully keep being like we we understand how this is a joke, right? They just. We're like okay, this is this is Captain America in the Ultimate Universe. He's just super jingoist and like, yeah. like there no like it, it felt like no like very few people were getting the joke of that, uh, which kind of led to where the like the Ultimates, you know, went after after it fe- that, it fell that apart. The, the yeah it it sure did. Um, boy, howdy, did it. Jeff Loeb, <laughs> Jeff Loeb, the beginning of the end. Um. Mm-hmm. Mark Miller is an, an interesting one. Um, Mark Miller writes for Marvel, and then he, after a, you know doing his thing, uh, he moves over uh, to his own independent stuff, and he's able to tackle his satirical stuff, his his gratuitous almost sometimes, but not like Garth Ennis. <laughs> Garth Ennis is trash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a soft spot. I have a soft spot for Miller, knowing that not everything he does is gold, especially recently. But. Um, the irony uh, for me civil- is always though that when you kind of put restraints on Mark Miller, he's a pretty yeah. good writer. Yeah, when you, you when you in- yeah when you give him a box. Yeah, yeah. like George Lucas. He, he wrote yeah he wrote the Superman Adventures comic, which was the tie-in of Superman the animated series. Oh, did and he? And it's a phenomenal series of Superman comics because they're good, all like yeah. one-off issues, and they have to be all ages because it's based on a cartoon yeah. show. But he really yeah. gets the psyche of a lot of those characters, and they're they're quite good. If you ever, you can probably find him in a dollar bin at a con or something. But if you mm-hmm. want to read something uh, that's like good Superman stories, those are excellent. Yeah, and, you, yeah. and then you're like, oh, this is the kick-ass guy who wrote this. Hey, hold on, this, this is yeah, yeah, this is Kingsman. This is Wanted. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. Shout out to Chris Reed Brown ninety one in the comments. What's up, Chris? Um. Uh. 
I want to pivot, uh, well, not pivot, but segue, really. Mark Miller writes all that stuff, but he wrote a pretty pivotal moment in Marvel history, which was Civil War, where it was yeah. taking, I don't know whether Civil War, uh, Marvel Civil War, the comics, not the, the movie, was inspired by real world events per se, other than govern like the general political ideology of government overreach, registration, so on and so forth, right? It's not like spark. I don't think it's sparked by any historical thing at that moment in time. Um, but Civil War essentially is about the Superhuman Registration Act, where in Marvel, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. So basically, heroes have to register, or powered people have to register with the with the government. They have to go through training. They have to divulge their secret identities to the to the government and if shield ever has a big thing a big war or whatever you get drafted into it right a big superpowered war if scrolls invade you get drafted you have to fight um you can you have to go through training you don't have to continue being a vigilante after training but you can you know you do that and you get assigned to one of the 50 state teams and this is mm-hmm. after civil war the event where we find out that the anti-registration people lose right um how'd you guys feel about civil war both as an event and also a commentary on uh politics <laughs> i think the politics yeah. says a lot um yeah. well i think that i i think that the so i think it definitely was inspired by a lot of like post 9-11 patriot act sort of um uh, political um, minutia, for lack of yeah. a better word. Um, in particular, yeah. because like, yes, in particular, because like Reed Richards essentially builds like negative zone Guantanamo. Yeah, God. 42. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, I think the problem I've always had with Civil War is that it's a good idea, but I think it would have been better executed. And this is a challenging thing to do because I think superhero comics almost always, well, not almost always, but I think with a lot of superhero comics, it's easy for writers to kind of just devolve into good guy, bad guy, punch em ups. Um, yeah. I think that it it does such damage to Tony Stark as a character, who I think starts off with a pretty reasonable proposition, but by the end of it is just kind of like a fascist. And, yeah, a full, and full they, on, yeah. Yeah, and Matt Fraction had to literally like erase his entire brain in order to rehabilitate that character. Yeah. Um, he but had to I literally that, reboot. Like, yeah, he had to yeah, re- literally, like yeah. literally yeah. reboot Tony Stark. <laughs> and I think that that is very much the the major critique I have of that event, which is that it's an interesting idea and could explore some really interesting moral grays, but I think it kind of takes the easy way out by making one side clearly good, one side clearly bad. Yeah, like right. that's that yeah, that 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 is that is yeah, that my biggest critique of it too is that they, they don't really kind of dwell a lot in like the gray area of like of, of those who like because again like yeah it very much paints like if you're pro-registration you're a fascist and if you're anti-registration you're you're a patriot you're a hero um and, and like very clearly did that by having cap be the face of the anti-registration moment it's like <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna disagree with captain america on this um right but like but it, it's also just a thing where it's like I, I, yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting concept and like, especially like when like you get like groups like the mutants involved who have constantly been a persecuted, you know, part of the Marvel comics universe. Like, and so like to have like their, 
two cents on it being like, yeah, no, we've been dealing this with this for like decades. So welcome, well, welcome to the party, everyone else. Um, <laughs> but I, and they're yeah, famously I, I not like, involved. Yeah, the, they, yeah, the, they, they the have, they have don't get involved. Yeah, um, and, and it, it, it's just like a thing where it's like I don't feel like. It, yeah, it, it feel it feels like a good setup and an interesting premise, and kind of loses its way a little bit into there by the time it devolves into, you know, Thor clones and just <laughs> fighting each other. Um, and then, like, yeah, like the the fallout of it, I think there was more damage done because of it than not. Like, yeah, yeah. like they like said, like between. Tony Stark having to reboot his entire brain to Peter Parker having to make a deal with the <laughs> devil in order to try to get his life back and save yeah. his, di- his his dead aunt. Um, I'm just imagining the meme with the giant dominoes and like the yeah. small one is Mark Miller writes Civil War number one and it's like Peter Parker makes a deal with the devil. To, yeah, just to make everyone forget. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's, keep, keep in mind, they had to backtrack on a lot of, like Hank Pym was a scroll, right? Yep. Yeah. Like yeah. Reed, I don't know whether Reed secret. gotten out. Reed didn't get an out, right? Like Reed had to own up. To no, him, right? they just. Yeah, yeah, they were just like, uh, yeah, Reed's uh, Reed's not gonna Reed's be here for a little while. Um, he's not really gonna learn a lesson on this one. This is gonna be a learning moment for Reed Richards. He's <laughs> gonna be like, hey, you know that negative zone uh, prison is gonna be useful though when we actually start using it for like actual supervillains. So, yeah. Huh. <laughs> You do get that pretty sweet Dwayne McDuffie run where Storm and T'Challa team up with Thing and uh, Human Torch to become the Fantastic Four. But that I is, think that's I do, really I do enjoy thing, that. Yeah. That was one of the only good things that came out came out of it. Yeah. Uh, uh, was that Dwayne yeah. McDuffie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Dwayne McDuffie. The few times uh, he got to write uh, Marvel comics proper, besides like Damage Control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Little little known fact: Did you guys know that Dwayne McDuffie and Keegan Michael Key are half brothers? No, I didn't crazy. know this. Yeah. So basically what happened, and this is something that Keegan-Michael Key found out after Dwayne died, is that he found out that his father had uh, another family or something like that, had another child Mm. in a different different family, and that the guy, uh, and this is something he found out after Dwayne died, and the guy wrote comics, and he was a big name, and so people were like, they figured it out, they were like, okay, it's Dwayne McDuffie, and that he had died before he got to meet him. Wow. Um, which yeah. is That's super wild. crazy, right? Yeah. Small world. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, but, uh, you say small world, but more like fast dad, I guess. Like, yeah. he's, he's all over so. the place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, sorry, good. No, I, I mean, I, I, I was just going to make a reference to Civil War Two and how at least Civil War One kind of had, like, a build-up and a purpose and wasn't this kind of didn't just kind of happen yeah yeah and i Uh, I think sadly you kind of get stuck in this weird rut where there there are definitely good stories that come afterwards but i think marvel kind of gets stuck in this rut of like well civil war sold so it's just going to be heroes fighting heroes in various ways for the next couple years and super villains uh, we'll maybe get back to those eventually but yeah right um because civil war was i think the big marvel event that got me, I was I was already reading Marvel at the time, but it really got me interested in the other, like more than just X-Men and like a couple of things. Like I wasn't even reading New Avengers at the time. Like 
I did not care for Avengers. I still, mm. I read Avengers, but like, <laughs> oh, come on. X-Men is the best corner of the Marvel Universe to me. And yeah. so, like, like X-Men, like Avengers are nobody's compared to X-Men to me. And so uh, X-Men and Spider-Man are huge. But the point being is that, like, it got me interested in these characters and their and their things. And it was a really good hopping on point for me. Mm-hmm. And there were problems that I have with Civil War, one of which is killing Bill Foster. Yeah. Because, man, like, Elias, one guy yeah. has to die. First thing, you didn't show him any respect while he was alive. It would be different if right. it was, like... <laughs> Well, now I'm starting to like. I'm I'm starting to think. I don't know whether there are black heroes that get shown enough respect. Sam Wilson now, great, but like yeah, now, Cage, yeah, but, like, but, it, but, but, but it but it took Luke, Luke Cage uh, since black Bendis Panther, took over. Bendis, but, right, yeah, like, but at that you know. point, at that point, the Luke Cage Renaissance was kind of like underway because he's pretty prominent yeah. in Civil War, if I'm remembering. Right. Yeah, right, right. Uh, but they killed Bill Foster, and Bill Foster dies, yeah. and so. Uh, uh, wasn't a big fan of that, uh, and, and there, but like Avengers, the initiative was like one mm. of my favorite, uh, uh, series mm. afterwards and all the things like, um, the whole 50 state initiative thing that was super interesting to me. And like, you realize that like there, not everyone who's part of the initiative is a bad guy. I think it shows mm. more nuance after civil war yeah. to show that these things that are in place did make certain people better. I'm not pro registration. I'm anti registration on cap side, but still, uh, it's one of those I'm things just, where I think objectively there's aspects of it that make logical sense. Like yeah. you, especially when you think of the event that kind of caused it, which is the new warriors accidentally mm-hmm. like getting yeah. into a superhero fight that gets out of control. But I right. think objectively, the idea of if you've got all these young heroes running around there should be someone there to kind of like help them along their journey of being yeah, you, a superhero. You, you, oversight isn't a bad thing in those instances, but I think it's just like the far reaching opportunity of being like, right. and we'll have all, all superheroes at our disposal whenever we want to, which I would imagine, you know, again, would also make America a huge threat as if it weren't already. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's like a hundred percent like, but, but you know, and, and then, you know that, that that's not even getting into like the like President Osborne Dark Avengers right like <laughs> uh, aspect of everything. He gets he, because of the government overreach. It what's kind of nice is that it does lead into what that means. Government overreach leads into Norman Osborne taking over and the heroes yeah. being put on their back foot, being like, "Is he gonna come after us?" And the Dark Avengers come like happen, and then the villains start to essentially rise up. Um, I wanted to pose a question, uh, just because like Justin, Justin brought up that like clearly cap side is the better side and Tony's is not in civil war. I don't necessarily agree that it's so black and white because I feel like people could have stood up for like defend Tony and then say, well, they shouldn't have made a clone Thor or killed Bill Foster, but like, (laughs) That 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 the quant the the quantum zone, the negative zones prison is a good idea. Like I'm sure there are people, you know. But imagine how closer that would have been if Sam Wilson was Captain America. What oh, side yeah. would the mainstream public have taken if it oh, was yeah, that's 100%. Sam is Cap versus Tony? Yeah, that 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 one I think would have been a hard. Oh, definitely. But I think I think would have been a harder sell. It's like it's they they, they probably would have like written it. 
as as being like an interest. Well, again, like it, it would have become like a, a far more I think politicized thing than Cap simply saying like I don't agree with you know this. I don't I don't think that everyone like having to enlist everyone is a great idea as somebody who has served in the military and like. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it, it would have been for an interesting story. I almost, I, I honestly almost wish that could have been, like, an a more of an aspect of like Civil War Two, which just, again, just was nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, no real point to it except to like, very much, like, take out some of the bigger names in Marvel and like, and or just like, traumatize them. Right. Like, That's yeah, the best I don't, what like, happens sounds. until people mention it. Yeah, yeah, it's for the best. Civil I War Two also... sucked. It was just Minority Report. That's what Civil yeah, War it was, Two was. It was it, it was Minority Report, and it like it again. It was one of those things where it's like whereas after Civil War, there was you know like it, Civil War kind of like did enough damage that like the cleanup started becoming the interesting part of like seeing how these characters move on after this event and like civil war two yeah. was just kind of an excuse to i guess make a comment on like uh, technology i, I don't even, like, like, i know i know i i i know that, like, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the inhuman the inhuman ulysses like being able to like see like pre-crimes and everything was like kind of a thing it's like a chance like oh we'll see now now in this instance tony is in the cap position like you see like this is growth instead of instead of he was he was pro-registration but now he's against Using this and Captain thing, Marvel this... gets character assassinated yeah. in this video. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, yeah. And... Something that I, I pointed out on somebody else's TikTok is that Civil War Two was just uh, just a ploy to redeem Tony at the expense of Captain Marvel. Yeah, hundred percent. And like and like She Hulk also gets the short end of the stick by getting hospitalized and comatose, and then kind of leading to where she is at now. Where kind of like becoming like the whole like Grey Hulk for a little while and yeah. then like coming kind of back to herself and yeah. like Rhodey Rhodey getting just completely full on killed. Yeah. Um I don't even know how he like, comes back. How does he come back? Uh, I'm I'm sure there's a you know cosmic cube. <laughs> like, it's, a, yeah. it's always a cosmic comics. cube. It's, it's always it's a cube. Comics, the infinity stone, yada yada yada, reality's converging, I don't know. Um, it really right. shows how much that event didn't matter. That we're all just yeah. like, Rhodey's back. All right, fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah. I think that um, I think it's telling though. Kind of going back to your comment about what if it had been Sam Wilson cap in the first Civil War. Yeah. I think it's very telling that the mutants stay out of it because the mutants yeah. being the allegory for oppressed people. Just the mere idea of being like, okay, oppressed group, we're going to have you register with the government, and if you don't, we're going to put mm -hmm. you in a secret prison. That is a mess. That is horrible. Yeah. And then to even try to attempt to bring that into play would have been the wrong look entirely. And I think that's probably why they were like, we're not even going to put the mutants in this. Yeah, we're because just going to go so gonna let them. wrong in the metaphor. <laughs> uh, the mutants were also coming right off of House of M. They were dealing with the extinction of yeah. their species. There there, they so, hadn't been repowered yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so everybody was living on mansion ground. But what's also interesting is that Sentinels th there was a cool there's a cool storyline where Sentinels are essentially guarding and uh uh persecuting mutants 
on their ground. Mm -hmm. It was this weird thing. And then, like, Rhodey, I think, pilots a sentinel. And, like, like it, I don't know. <laughs> it, the, the mutants were going through a lot of stuff at that point. It makes it, sense that they weren't part of Civil it's, War. It's, it's, yeah. it's the same reason why Professor X basically got off after, like, World War Hulk of Hulk just being like, yeah, you've... You've kind of dealt with a lot. I understand you just like you 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 probably didn't want to send me off world. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna smash you guys so much. You've you're grieving. I'm I'm gonna go take out the rest of the Illuminati. But you're you're let me know that you're okay. I'm gonna be back. Yeah, <laughs> you don't. Uh, I love Emma Frost's uh, snark when it comes to like. I think Tony Stark comes to Emma Frost and like where. I don't know whether she brings us up or whether I brought it up, but like, where were you when the, when the kids in the buses got killed by human supremacists? Like mm -hmm. the mutants show up when Stanford, Stanford gets blown up. The mutants help. The mutants helped when, when the twin towers fell, even though there's some weird moments in that Spider-Man comic. Like why would Dr. Doom cry? He would not cry. Yeah. Dr. Doom would not give two shits. Uh, Magneto at that moment would not give two shits about the Twin Towers. Like the, he'd be like, "Let's make it three. Like these. Why? Right. Are, what? Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, it's where like, he was at then. Yeah. Yeah. Why would it? It. If that was such a weird issue in retrospect, it makes <laughs> sense why it happened and why it was written a certain way. But to make the villains cry, like it would make sense. Like Electro would is he's a. Die, like a diehard New Yorker, right? Yeah. He would be like the more working oh, no. class right. villains would have right. been. It's, but yeah, like it's, showing it's, up to help. Yeah. yeah, Kingpin maybe too. Like Kingpin right. would be like, like Kingpin, this is yeah. my I can see Kingpin. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, like, like Magneto like, yeah, and Doctor Doom. Yeah, maybe like. Yeah, I don't know. And, 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 was, and was, was the Watcher? Was the Watcher there? I can't remember. But like, I feel like he probably was. Yeah. But like, why? What? Like. I, I don't want to trivialize it, but like in the whole scheme of things of the Watcher's cosmic, uh, uh, cosmic reach, right? Well, so it, this brings up an interesting point: is there are there certain events that maybe the comics shouldn't try to address? Because I think it's no, notable that I don't think I've read any comic books that have tried to deal with COVID. Right, like I, unless yeah, I'm forgetting I think, something or missing I, something, because I, 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 I think in some ways it can I think they're smart enough. it if it's not done well. Yeah. I think it's I think it's smart enough that like also like looking just looking even as like just looking at Marvel, like they've they've dealt with and typically it's only been the mutants who have dealt with their fair share of like plagues and like outbreaks mm -hmm. and like pandemics of this kind of nature of just like every every couple of years there's some new virus or you know terrigen cloud that is sweeping across the world and taking out mutants. Um, and I, yeah, I think, I think it's just kind of the smart play that they're just like, let's yeah. not, let's not, I, I think, I think, I feel like there's like a, a decent amount of like media that hasn't, there, there's no real good way to talk about it yet because, you know, we're still in the middle of it. And like, until we like fully and clearly get to the other side of it and like have hindsight and can like process it, I don't really think there's going to be a good a fun Spider-Man COVID comic uh, anytime right, yeah. soon. Also, you, you and, can't tackle you COVID. Up... Uh, sorry, you can't tackle COVID without uh, tackling anti-maskers and anti-vaxxers. Like, yeah. without le legitimately saying that they're Civil wrong. War 3. 
Right. I mean, that's America. Yeah, there you go. That's right. Like, <laughs> like you, you can't poke fun at them. You can't make them to be the bad guy, even though they are. You can't make them be the bad guy in the comics without alienating those people that want to want to read those comics. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a it's a business move. That's why I feel like a lot of media has chosen that COVID will not affect pop culture. There's like this like moratorium from now. Like it, we will not refer to it in pop culture. It's not gonna. You know, and you know what's so, us. but you know what's so ironic. It, and obviously, we're talking about comics, but I think this is something I thought about with the MCU shows. The blip kind of accidentally became a perfect metaphor for COVID. Yeah, like totally unintentionally. Hmm. But like when I was watching that first episode of Fabulous Soldier, and Brody's like, you know, so much has happened. The world's changed. We don't know who our allies and our enemies are anymore. I was like. Damn, they they just found a COVID metaphor by accident, and it works. Yeah. <laughs> kind of stumble into talk it. about you can talk about yeah yeah you can talk about the way we're feeling emotionally about it without having to say COVID nineteen. It's the blip. It's Thanos right. breaking half of existence out of uh, I wanna, out of existence for five years. I want to know the in I want to see in universe citizens of the Marvel world uh, be like I don't believe the blip happened. I think everybody got teleported <laughs> away and they got microchipped elsewhere. Like I think I, I, I can see, I can see that thing. happening. Right. That would yeah. be a real like DC is doing that with uh Infinite Frontier number one. Yeah. Uh Brian, mm-hmm. did we talk about this on the show? We did, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Like, where they were like multiple realities, no way. Yeah, I don't even believe Batman exists. Like <laughs> like DC is doing that, and so I think we I think if there's anything that has affected pop culture, it's the idea that people can be completely wrong and deny, 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 and never be set right. I think that's yeah. the one thing that can affect the stories that we tell. Right. right. I, I agree with that 100%. And it's it's sad, too, because um, in, a, in a superhero fictional universe, it kind of puts you in a position where you're like, things that you're like, no, that's unrealistic. That would never happen. Now you're kind of like, you know what? This maybe could happen. This actually yeah, there seems might like have, it's uh, legit and realistic. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe could happen. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, actually been Mr. an interesting plot point in the current Captain America run that ta Coates is writing, where a lot of what Cap is dealing with is people who, following the Secret Empire story, are almost like, look, Hydra opened the mills back up, but I got a job again. So... Maybe Hydra mm-hmm. wasn't the worst thing taking over the country, and it's a it's a messed up thing to consider. But it's like there probably are people who would feel that way. There probably are people who mm-hmm. would feel like something had been returned to them. Uh, it's an interesting moral conundrum Cap's been put through in that story. Yeah, uh, Mister Plow in the comments brings up the loan <laughs> scene. He says the SBA loan scene. What's SBA? Does he mean the loan scene in in Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Uh, oh, probably, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean. Yeah, uh, it's it's a good illustration of that idea of like you are. It was interesting seeing people's reactions to that. Um, the whole series in reasons. general. Yeah. Oh yeah. The denial. The denial <laughs> of fans. I don't know. Like the way I view the world, I saw the first episode and I'm like, right at the final scene, I'm like, yes, the government wants a white Captain America, not a black Captain America. Right, just right off the bat, just seeing it, and people were denying it. They were like, no, 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 no. 
blah, 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 blah. I would rather have John Walker as Captain America than Sam. I would rather have Bucky, but it's not because he's black, it's because he doesn't have powers. Oh, John Walker doesn't have powers? Well, but John Walker was this. And then Bucky, though, has <laughs> powers, so I would want him. And so powers is what makes Captain America, but really... And the irony, too, is that John Walker as a character was created by Mark Gruenwald to be like, if Cap was like this, it would suck. That's yeah. the entire yeah, point Cap of that like, character. Yeah, yeah he, he he literally like wanted to go to Vietnam because his brother was killed in the war and so wanted to become like a glory soldier. And But, but the problem was that by the time that he was old enough to get drafted, it, the conflict was over. And so he just had all this like pent-up anger and like, like wanting to like be a hero and so got his powers from the power broker and fought Captain America to show that like he was just as strong as Cap was and could could do what Cap could do. Yeah. Uh and that's what makes uh, that story John Walker's so great. Never, is... He's not redeemed to me, by the way. Like everybody oh, thinks God. he's redeemed at the end. He's not redeemed oh, no. to me. I oh, don't no, 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 no. I think I think the show's presentation of that was a little sloppy. I think it could have been a little more effective in that. Um, but I do think him being like "I'm back" is meant to make us feel like, "Oh uh, shit, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna be yeah, good." This is whatever a, this guy this pops up, good. Again, it's not gonna be pretty. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's what I find so fascinating about him as a character is when he gets the opportunity to be Captain America, he realizes, "Oh, this is way more emotionally taxing and challenging than I ever thought it would be." Um, right. He ends up one of the funniest moments in that run. Speaking of like comics have always been political, there's a group that's introduced called the Watchdogs, which are basically like mm -hmm. supervillain domestic terrorists who are like the Westboro Baptist Church. There's a hilarious mm -hmm. scene where they're giving him a briefing and they're like, oh, they're against, uh, you know, uh, uh, teaching sex education in schools. They're against like, uh, you know, um, uh, racial equality, uh, all this stuff. And then John Walker's like, but I believe in some of that stuff too. And I have to fight these yeah. guys. And then they Hold end up murdering his family. So uh, he, he well, doesn't realize how much... This is the Mark Gruenwald run from the 80s. This is yeah, the, this is, the this story is the, where the John Walker's first, yeah. first introduced. Yeah. And, and it's... Uh, first of all, that group could exist today completely unchanged. You wouldn't have to change a mm -hmm. word of any of that dialogue. But it shows that like being Captain America is not just rolling up and punching dudes. There's yeah, a lot or of having a shield. decision making. Yes, yes. There's so much yeah. more that goes into it. Yeah. Well, it, it, uh, but it, it's, it, it's interesting, though, too, because, like, John Walker is a fascinating character because he's had time to become a fascinating character and become yes. more nuanced over the years, which is, like, an issue that, like, the, the the show doesn't really get the chance to, like, fully flesh that out. But, like, you, you do get to see, like, where he's coming from and get to kind of see more of, like, his, his mentally approach. But it's, it's, it's like, for, for a time, when he became Captain America... He did a decent job of it. Like he he did like honor the position uh, until he became U.S. agent, and like even then, like his time with, while a bit contentious with like the West Coast Avengers wasn't like he wasn't like a total nut bar about it. Like um, you know, it, it was really just kind of you know the start off and like a few other points, like especially by the time we hit like Nick Spencer's Sam Wilson Captain America run, right. where like he kind of gets like bought and sold back into the rhetoric of like, you deserve to be Captain America. If anyone should be Cap after Steve retires, it should be you. Right. He's like, right. yeah, it should be me. <laughs> and that's why I think he is interesting because he makes such a dynamic foil to 
all of the Captain Americas, right? He's he's much more in line with the ultimate Cap, the one who's like never mm-hmm. going to question the government and is always going to fall in right. lockstep. And seeing and he he makes Steve and Sam and Bucky to a degree shine a lot brighter because you see the the counterpoint and realize, oh, this is what I think some people would perceive Captain America to be versus what he actually is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that, that, um, and this is something I think we either brought up earlier, we talked about pre-show, but, uh, let's talk about the history of comic books referring to real countries versus fictional ones. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see this a lot. I mean, DC comics is anyways has like fictional cities, right? right. But when we're talking about like fictional countries, uh, I, I, like it's interesting how the companies tackle that, right? Like we we have Latveria, and that's so specifically tied to Doom, Doctor Doom. Um, it's hard to do a full like political takedown of it because it's quite like <laughs> fictional. But then you have like Karak and Kandak and Bialia and uh, uh, in the Middle East with with DC. We have like uh, Bodnesia. Uh, there was an episode of Young Justice where they do North and South Bodnesia. I think it's Bodnesia, um, where it's like it's just North and South Korea, and uh, and they're they're talking about that. Uh, how do you guys feel about the real world application of that? Yeah, I, think I mean, the I, question kind of go 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 So I think I think the question kind of comes down to just that idea of you know I think they they make up the fictional countries to avoid offending anyone. But then there's right. also that part of me that's like, is it more offensive when you make up a <laughs> fictional place? I kind of can't pinpoint what the the more or less offensive thing would be in that scenario. And it's interesting because I was actually, did you guys read the the history of the Marvel Universe miniseries that came out fairly recently? Yeah. Uh, it's not talking about the oh the Marvel Universe history there. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 oh, yeah. Not the DC, not the DC one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, they they basically in it kind of stealthily retcon the entire Vietnam War, uh, which is like, because of the sliding timeline, they're like, the Vietnam War happened when it happened, but any stories that clearly take place in the Vietnam War now happen during this fictional conflict that will now always happen. What fictional conflict? Let me read the exact phrasing here for you. Let me find this. I, I have the book on hand. So I can yeah. discuss this because I found this uh, fascinating. Uh, just while you're looking it up, while I look that up, yeah. Oh, uh, well, while you're looking it up, I just want to uh, say specifically to anyone who's watching or, or listening what the sliding timeline is. Basically, DC Comics does a reboot where they reboot everything back from the beginning every ten to twenty years. Uh, Marvel does a sliding timeline where they say that all events of comics that even came out in the sixties have happened. They've just happened more recently. So any characters who have stories that are tied with presidents or specific world events, wars, you just slide it up. So maybe Spider-Man didn't meet Reagan, but he met Obama or uh, Punisher isn't from Vietnam. He's from uh, the first Gulf war or Iraq war. Uh, so on. That's the sliding timeline that Marvel gets where, you can kind of like keep the stories intact, but you still have to ask yourself, what did 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 Reed Richards fight in a war? Because originally he fought in World War II, but I don't mm-hmm. know whether he ever fought in a war, ever, like nowadays. I don't know, Justin. Oh yeah, no, no I, I, yeah, I, I think. Oh, I, Brian, did you find it? 
Yes, I did. So oh, in, okay. in the history of the Marvel Universe book, there's a lot of like annotations where they explain like where the original stories came from. And there's a, a early like 60s issues of Avengers where they introduce a fictional Asian country called Sian Kong, which I think is supposed to be kind of like a vague oh, yeah. Korea or Vietnam. And in the annotations, it now says, note, to accommodate for the passage of time, some Marvel Universe references of character involvement in Vietnam War have been retroactively refitted to be the Sien Kong conflict. The Vietnam War remains a world event that took place from 1955 to 1977 in the Marvel Universe, as well as it did in reality. Therefore, due to retroactive continuity, some in-story presentations of Marvel characters in the Vietnam War should be considered a depiction of the Sien Kong conflict. Primarily because, like, Punisher stories that took place in Vietnam, right. he would now be like, so very, old. Right. Yeah, very, very recently there was, there was, uh, like, the, 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 uh, the Punisher miniseries that very explicitly kind of took, took, looked at, like, his squadron and, like, the surviving members of his squad from his time, in, like, in, in the Vietnam War. And, like, it's kind of this thing where it's like, well, they're all in their 60s. Is Frank Castle in his 60s? Because he looks great. It's like he's been keeping up. He, he like, and it, it, it's like, it's like, it's, it's sort of almost like explains away being like, well, because of all the weird comic book shit that Frank Castle has been exposed to and like, you know, dying, becoming a Frankenstein, coming back to life, <laughs> that it's sort of like, it's sort of like, re, like rejuvenated his youth. So that's why he's younger than the people that he served with during this time. And it's just, yeah, the, the sliding time scale is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now he just looks like John Bernthal. <laughs> just like, <Yeah. laughs> just being like de-aged. Straight up. Why, 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 why mess with perfection, you know? Like, yeah, why, like, right. like, 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 you, you, you found that, you found the first Frank Castle. It, it's, it's kind of the whole, it, it's like the whole thing that happened with, uh, Samuel L. Jackson being cast as Nick Fury in the movies and the sort of like weird Ouroboros that led up to that where, in the ultimate comics, you know, they, there's literally a joke where they're sitting around talking about who would play them in movies. And the ultimate Fury, who was always black, is like, obviously yeah. Samuel L. Jackson plays me. Then after uh, the Avengers movie, uh, there was uh, a comic series called Battle Stars that introduced Nick Fury Jr., who yeah. is ostensibly the movie Nick Fury coming to take over for the old original comic Nick Fury after uh, he gets like hunted down by like the Serpent Society and Orion of Leviathan and the OG Nick Fury. And the OG Nick Fury gets the infinity serum extracted from him. So now he's just going to have like however many years he has left and he's going to die. And so he's like, you have to take over as head of, as head of shield for me. Um, (laughs) Just some random son, just like shield is like, Oh yeah, Wait, it's, what? Could you do that? You just yeah. like, kind at its of, yes. kind of, really. <laughs> that's that's literally what happens. It, it's 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 it, it introduced both that the the current like movie iteration of Nick, Nick Fury and also a comic book version of Phil Coulson uh, yeah. in, in in the same thing because it was like his friend who he served in the Army Rangers with, who is referred to by his like call sign of cheese for like ten of the like like most of the run, and at the yeah. very end of it gets his new like identity of Phil Coulson. Um, yeah. But yeah. And he, uh, he also has yeah. the exact same eye injury, which always cracks me up that he yep. gets the exact same yep. eye injury as his dad. Yeah. So he can um, have an eye patch but, too. Yeah. 
Right, right. I think that the, so getting back to the fictional country thing for a moment yeah. there, mm. you know, it kind of puts you in this position where you can do big, bold things, like you have your Dr. Dooms that's a ruler of Latveria, or you can do like the famous Black Adam story from JSA where he like takes back uh, Kondok. Um, you can do these mm -hmm. things that like you wouldn't be able to necessarily do with a real country. Um, but at the same time, again, you, you kind of get into this weird like, it's this weird thing where you can kind of tell what they're trying to do. Like you get Kondok is supposed to be Iraq. And I, again, I can't tell if it's more offensive that you made up a fake country and just filled yeah. it with stereotypes versus having mm -hmm. Black Adam actually take over Iraq. I really can't tell what's right, the worst right. that scenario. Well, I think Karak is now Iraq, but Kondok oh. is now a weird, like uh, a weird amalgam of like, or a little bit of a little bit of like vaguely Middle East, but also like some yeah. Egypt a little bit. Yeah. And like, and almost yeah. Israel too, because like there's yeah. a there's a thing of like like that it's like the holy land of his people, right? And so like mm -hmm. there, or, well, actually, conduct might be like more of a Palestine thing. Anyway, the yeah, that, this think, is crazy yeah. talk. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, yeah, it's 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 very clearly the comics creators and then DC and Marvel being like, we really we do want to make like put a reference point for the real world in these things to try to like both like make it like more realistic but like make give it a sense of reality but we also know that we can't just have like superman flying over and picking a fight with kim jong-il um it's like that's like not really <laughs> that's that's right. that that could actually cause real world problems for us and also the country if we did that so like we we are we are going to like represent these things and having these stand-ins and these like metaphors for the kind of, you know, the kind of the actual villains and the kind of like actual conflicts that are going on right now to try to like kind of justify that. And I think it's also like a kind of a thing of like, like with the sliding time scale of like, yeah, like in, in 15 years, the Punisher's probably going to have like fought in like, you know, Operation Iraqi Freedom and like, like, like it will be like, 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 like that instead of like yeah instead of a vietnam or a you know gulf war like vet like, like because of like where he has to be um that's how and, he is and i think i'm a part of that yeah and like, and like and like that's like the thing is it's like i think that's sort of a part of like marvel and like dc too like incorporating these actual events to help be like well this would like a lot of it is like indicative of the time like like when vietnam was going on yeah, like there was all kinds of comics and storylines that dealt with the Vietnam War and characters being pro and anti-war and like being over in the war while it was happening as well. Um, and then, yeah, then both companies just kind of were like, eh, Vietnam didn't really. <laughs> yes, yes and no, though. Uh, they were only allowed to do certain things because of the Comics Code Authority in the time. Yeah. That's the yeah, one thing that yeah. kind of... It's the devil's advocate to my own thinking where I'm saying comics were always political. They have been. Right. But the CCA dumbed everything down. And yeah, like you water, get tried to water you had down to really, you Yeah, you had to really like get under Which is like, which is also probably like why another factor into why these fake countries were created, because like file and tense, mm -hmm, the Comics Code Authority would not allow a justice league story about the justice league flying over to iran or falling or like to an actual like south american country like the congo like to, to help with like anything going on there 
but yeah. they could go to a fictionalized version that wasn't real uh, and ostensibly have an analogy happening so that it wasn't the actual people they were going to go fight, but yeah. it was for all intents and purposes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, something that I brought up earlier is that our, our view on, um, not our view, comic books and their fictional countries really only affect certain parts of the globe, uh, uh, whether it's mm -hmm. um, Central America or South American countries, they make up fake countries like like Santa Prisca is the country where where Bane is from, I believe. It's very small um, Central mm -hmm. American country, Santa Prisca. Uh, then you also get Eastern European bloc uh, countries that have like um, Sokovia, Latveria, Pakolistan in uh, in in DC. Pakolistan is there. Mm -hmm. Then you get like Middle Eastern countries. You get African countries, Southeast Asia. You don't get too much South Asia. Mostly because, I don't know why, uh, India takes up most of South Asia, but there are other countries um, that are around there. And then East Asia, uh, they I, they actually, so like the Great Ten in, in D.C. is an mm -hmm. actual Chinese superhero team. They don't, but they don't do anything political against China. Right. It's it's interesting. They don't call out China. They're the Great Ten. It's China's superior team. <laughs> Let's let the franchising begin. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. uh, versus like the Middle East and whatever. I don't know. I think it's very interesting which countries they choose to fictionalize and which countries they don't or which regions. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it all comes back down to America. Marvel and DC are based in America. We have these American ideals. Uh, and those companies try to reflect that while also trying to put a mirror up to society. And I think there's a bunch of different interests because it's a business, it's an art form, yeah. it's it's a monthly art form slash entertainment mm -hmm. slash whatever. Then they're trying to build off TV shows and movies off of it. You can only do so much, but you also have like characters that are uh, almost a hundred years old, right? Like these characters are getting up there. What do they stand for? Um, Mr. Plow says, personally, I think they don't touch certain countries because of limitations of the artist drawing ethnicities. Mm. That's interesting. I think, I think that's I mean, valid. That's, I, there's actually, that's actually, um, that is a... There's a really... Go ahead, sorry. Huh. No, no, I, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think, I think that's honestly probably another good reason because only in, you know, only in, in relatively recent years have there has there been a bigger push to bring in, like, creators of the groups that are represented in the comics, either in the characters and the backgrounds and the locations to tell the stories of, of, of it. It is, you know, by and large kind of, you know, for a while there was just white people doing it with like the occasional, like, 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 you know, person of color happening, like, like being there and getting there as well. But yeah, I, th I think, I think it's, it's been a recent push. And I, I think it's also, yeah, that thing of like, maybe we don't want, to see what this white dude's interpretation of like can can this white dude accurately delineate between like Iranian, Palestinian, like Iraqi, like 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 to get like the features of, of, of like the nuance down of, of this. Right. Uh I think it's a, still a there... dumb excuse. It's just like yeah. I mean it's is it better it to just take them out of the story 
or learn right. to draw them. Like, I don't know, back in the day, they used to draw, like, really racist, uh, like, uh, like interpretations with the Fu Manchu and, like, all yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, um, I don't know. There's two two plugs I'm going to make. One is a great YouTube video by a YouTuber named Princess Weeks, and she did a video mm. about colorism in comic books. Um, specifically, you talk a lot about Storm, and some of the examples yeah. she shows, it's like, this drawing of Storm is just a white lady with a tan. Like it's it's yeah. bad the way some yeah. people have presented her over the years, um, right. but yeah, talking about the you know we were talking about World War II comics earlier, and while it's always like rousing to see Captain America punching Hitler in the face, it's less you know exciting when you see like Wonder Woman beating up really horrible Asian stereotypes of different mm-hmm. characters. And there's um, a Disney Plus documentary. I think it's called Behind the Mask. Uh, it's really good because it's all comic book creators. And there's an interview with Larry Hama uh, where he was talking about his time at DC and how he had to like talk to someone and be like, we got to stop drawing Shang-Chi as just a yellow person. We have to do something about this coloring because it's atrocious. Um, And it's funny to think that like it took a person of Asian descent to finally say that before anyone in the office was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's probably problematic that we're doing that. It's probably an issue. Um, So yeah, I I think that uh, Mr. Plow uh, (laughs) makes a very valid point about that is that colorism and the way characters are portrayed, especially in older comic books, but even now, is is an issue um, in terms of authenticity. Yeah, I mean, I I have a personal view that that essentially, like in that specific situation, Brian, that uh, white American mainstream does not change until there's an outside thing brought up mm. or an outside force pushing on it. Definitely. Like it, the mm-hmm. wheels just keep turning because it serves that one purpose and that one purpose only and that one group and that one group only. And you need outside people to be able to bring it up. Absolutely. Uh, uh, weirdly, I mean, we see it in a, in a lot of things where it's like facial recognition technology has a higher margin of error for people of color because it's not yeah. set that way. But you need a person of color to come in mm-hmm. and say, uh, this isn't working. Like, like we're going to be, con- <laughs> we're going to be convinced, like the FBI is going to, be convinced that we're committing like there there's just more margin of error we're committing more crimes like if we're if we're looking at facial recognition technology and and, and so on and so forth and and so like you kind of have to have that outside push whether it means yeah bring in Larry Hama bringing in Dwayne McDuffie who changed this the mm. scene right like yeah otherwise mm-hmm. the wheels keep turning and the train has that momentum that train like i always envision trains as like the thing because they're very hard to start but once they start they keep going right and they're very hard to move and to change direction and you got to do it uh, like slowly over time and route the train in certain directions but it's very hard to stop it you can't stop load stuff on and then get it back up on on track so you kind of have to figure that out there's a lot of momentum behind it so these industries are kind of built that way you know yeah yeah, yeah. and it, mm-hmm. it's it, they, that idea of you need those outside voices especially because there's a lot of older white creators who just have blind spots at the end of the day um yeah mentioning mentioning john walker earlier originally uh, lamar hoskins his sidekick who we know is battlestar in the show his name was originally just bucky and it was Dwayne right. McDuffie who went yep. up to Mark Gruenwald and was like, hey, you might not be aware of this, but like buck is a very loaded term to use for an African-American man because of using that language uh, in, in the time of slavery to refer to essentially like breeding stock, 
in yeah. quotes. Um, a horrific terminology, but you know, Mark right. Buchwald's like, yeah, Bucky, Captain America sidekick, I'm done. Like I can take the rest right. of the day off. And him saying mm-hmm. that to him, Mark Ruhl was like, oh, you're right. I need to change that. And he actually wrote that into the story where Lamar was like, I shouldn't use this name anymore. Battlestar, that's my name now. Right. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Battlestar was cool until he died in Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> like to me, I was like, like Battlestar is classically like he seemed well, way more even keeled and yes. and smarter. Mm-hmm. Definitely smarter than John Walker in the show to the point where I'm like, why isn't Battlestar Captain America at that point? Yeah, if you yeah. want to say that it's not all about Sam Wilson, <laughs> but then that I mean, it's obviously why, but a lot of people didn't see that comparison or that Mm -hmm. like they're like walker has nothing has done nothing wrong and it's like it's not that he hasn't done anything Mm -hmm. wrong it's that sam wilson has earned the title it's not that Mm -hmm. walker is such a bad guy until he's a bad guy it's that sam wilson has done more to earn that title um it's tough um it's telling it's telling that the comics were willing to make bucky cap before they made sam cap now that we're having this conversation, yeah. there's a part of me that's like, yeah, yeah. why did they do that? <laughs> like, Winter Soldier was they? still yeah. a, like, rede- like, honest path of redemption from being a murderer of many, many people. Right. Um, making him Captain America now in retrospect first is kind of like, what were you thinking, guys? <laughs> was that the best right. way to yeah. go here? Right. Uh, well, people were really high off of Bucky coming back. It was a, such a big True. deal. And I think they were just like, yeah. well, and, and Falcon got pushed to the side. Again, Falcon didn't have that great of writing up until a certain point, yeah. uh, until maybe Brubaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say, like, Brubaker started developing Falcon uh, a little bit more, but again, as a sidekick, you know, as yeah. a partner, yeah. but, like, still a secondary partner. And so, and at the same time, Brubaker is building up Bucky. So I would say Falcon didn't deserve Cap until later anyway. Uh, uh, and so that's kind of the the tough the tough cookies of it all, right? For me. Right. It it's it goes back to again like who's what voices are being put in the room? Who are the ones right. raising up certain mm-hmm. characters, and who are the ones just kind of letting them fall by the wayside? Um, yeah. you know, I think a lot about Monica Rambeau. You read those like early Monica mm-hmm. Rambeau comics where she was the first female Captain yeah, Marvel. She was Captain like, Marvel. I cannot yeah. stress that enough. She had. Yeah, she had an incredible run there in the 80s in those Roger Stern Avengers comics. And then right. people just kind of like put her aside for two decades. And it wasn't until right. fairly recently that she's had any kind of resurgence that is long overdue. Mm-hmm. Right. Because uh, she was on the Avengers before Miss Marvel, right? Before yeah, uh, uh, Warbird. Th- before Warbird, right? Or whatever. I think, I think she, I think Carol was on the Avengers first. Um, okay. Because I think Carol mm-hmm. joins in like the 70s, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay. But, yeah. you know, Monica's. Uh, uh, the chairperson of the Avengers for a lot of that run. Yeah. She's right. a major yeah. character um, and deserved yeah. a lot more than she got. Yeah. Um, as we close up this episode, I, I want to bring one final topic, uh, which is kind of the future. Uh, the future. The, the future of not only America that we that we we hope for in real life, but how the comics nowadays are reflecting that quote-unquote hopeful future that 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 those stories of progress um we we have a way more diverse avengers lineup and avengers is the big team of of um um marvel right uh 
Uh, Captain America, you know, Sam Wilson has been Captain America. He is no longer Captain America. But we we see glimpses into, you know, future storylines that have, like, Danielle Cage become Captain America. Uh, but we, mm-hmm. we also deal with the rise of popularity of, of uh, Kamala Khan and then Miles Morales and these younger superheroes that are on the Champions and the Young Avengers and the diversity that they're bringing in, and that's bleeding into the Avengers, which are the number one super team in Marvel. Uh, DC Comics is also doing an amazing job. Uh, uh, I hate to pat any of these companies on the back because of their previous <laughs> transgressions, I guess. The bar is low. <laughs> but they're trying to be yeah. better with their voices, with their voices uh, uh, line, Marvel's voices line, mm-hmm. and DC's Celebration of Heroes uh, anthology series that they create, whether it's uh, characters of color or or pride or whatnot. Uh, how do you guys feel about the current situation in comics and where can we go from here? Oh, and also I mean, thank think, you to I You've think... Got... Sorry, thank you to You've Got Red on you uh, uh, for tipping uh, amps. Thank you so much. Any uh, amps that are, are tipped, very much appreciated. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Sorry. Thank you. No, you're good. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think honestly, like the the way forward is just continuing getting as many diverse voices in the rooms as they can, both in, in terms of the writing, the coloring, the inking, like just getting people to tell these character stories who, like, you know, come from the backgrounds of these characters, and 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 you know, you, you kind of you can get more of the authentic self you know when, when it's you know it, it's it's sort of that like that like long running joke like there's there's the tiktok that's going around right now that's like a popular kind of like like stitching audio of like show an example of how you could absolutely tell that it was a man writing a woman um and it's like you you, you, you can kind of like look back a lot in both dc and marvel and like be you can you can tell when it's like oh this this black character is being written by a white guy um and you know, like like those like those changes, like like yeah, and like that's like it's it's not forcing diversity; it's reflecting the diversity that's always been here and that has yeah. continues to be here in in these legacy heroes and in in these new characters that are that are coming in, and like yeah, but like they like putting them like before like, like the reason the reason you're seeing Miles Morales and Kamala Khan and these characters coming more to the forefront. The reason there's a rise in popularity is because it's connecting with people. It's 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 doing what these characters have always done, and it's like it's it's when it's it's way easier to get people interested in reading comics when they can find characters that they can relate to in those comics and see themselves on the page. Uh, and so, like that's you know, yeah, it's just like keep keep creating diverse characters and keep telling new stories because again it's you know you, you, you when you when you find yourself in the rut of telling the same stories over and over again yeah like you're not gonna you're, you're gonna see decline in sales you're gonna see an interest in popularity when you're when you're getting to tell new stories by people who have new things to say with these characters that's the future of comics that's that's keeping it moving yeah um, I think what's really cool about Kamala Khan specifically is that I don't, it's, um, 
it's it's amazing to see see uh, essentially uh, a brown girl be a hero. Uh, but my biggest connection with her isn't even that we're both brown. It's that like being a nerd, being a geek. <laughs> she's a geek, mm-hmm. and so like, yeah, it, it's it's, kind of, it's a return to form. It's yeah, she's Peter right, Parker, yeah. right? Yeah, like mm-hmm. like in in that respect. So like nobody like if you want the good old fashioned Peter Parker. Why not Kamala Khan? That's what you get, you know. Um, Miles Morales. I think even Miles too. has that. Yeah, yeah, I would say that Miles Morales yeah. much has the contemporary Peter Parker sort of uh, uh, essence to him. Um, and I also think that there's there's a line in I think maybe like the first or second issue of the original uh, Kamala Khan Miss Marvel series that I think about a lot. And I think this is her version of "With Great Power Comes Great Responsibility," which is good is not a thing that you are; good is a thing that you do. And I think that mm-hmm. ethos is something that is, is one that should be followed in our modern times, right? Because I think a lot, of our, a lot of our society likes to be performative with things. A lot of our society likes to try to seem good, try to like present something good, but good is not a thing that you are, good is a thing that you do. And I think yeah. when you take the actions to try to raise marginalized voices, when you try to give spotlight to these marginalized characters, um, I think both companies and even independent companies are giving more people opportunities. It's, it's democratizing comic books in a way that they haven't been uh, for a lot of their history. And I think that's incredible. And I think at the end of the day, like support the things that you want to see in comic books and more of it will manifest. And I'm mm-hmm. lucky that I get to live in a world where I'm seeing a lot of what I like to see. Uh, I, I, one like kind of brief anecdote I want to give, cause I think it really shows the impact of this. Um, one of the things I do at my, my high school that I teach at, uh, I run what's called the Fandom Club. It's very much like a geek space for kids who like anime, comics, video games, stuff like that. And yeah. during one of our meetings over the quarantine, one of our virtual meetings, one of the students like raised their hand and they were like, I just want to talk about the fact that there's going to be a gay Captain America because I think that's so awesome. And uh, I had a moment where I was like, wow, I have so many kids in this club that identify somewhere in the LGBTQ plus spectrum. And just this like small little thing, this small little thing had made this kid's like day, made them feel so seen and represented. And I realized in that moment that I've never had to experience that because I've had white male heroes my entire life. But when you have had the privilege of that, you lose sight of how little representation is given to people who aren't like and just mm-hmm. that little small thing can really change a person's perception and get them so excited and hyped up. And at the end of the day, I think that's what we should all want people to feel about comic books. Because I think we've all felt that ostracism of not having people liking comic books. So having the door be wider, more open to more people should only be celebrated because more people liking comic books helps everybody. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Justin, do you have, were you gonna say something? Oh no, 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 I, I was, I was just agreeing with, with, with that. It's just, yeah, like more, more that there's, it, it, it's not a, it's, it's only for the best and for the good things to have more people wanting to read comics. And like, it, it only means that, you know, that, you know, yeah, like, like the, the big two are actually going to like start actually trying to tell diverse stories and like bring in, you know, creators who haven't gotten to, you know, the, the, for these characters that haven't really gotten, you know, a shot and, and, and really get to explore some spaces that maybe they haven't gotten to in the past. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I think that the United States of Captain America is only a good thing. Uh, they, you know, I, I keep seeing little things about uh, there's different Captain Americas around the country, right? There's there's people who have risen up and realized that Captain America is an ideal. You don't need the super soldier serum, which is kind of the point of Falcon and Winter Soldier, the show, <laughs> is that like you don't need the super soldier serum to be Captain America, right? You need to be able to fight for the for for everyone. You need to be able to understand uh, uh, that you you don't know everything, right? That 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 there are is room for everyone to grow. And this is actually something similar in in like a couple of like kids shows recently in, in superhero related kids shows like Steven Universe is the fact that you don't always have to fight your bad guy, and that like sometimes mm-hmm. you can talk to them. And like I was trying to I was trying to tell my mom about Steven Universe, and she's like, "That sounds boring, though." And like I'm like, <laughs> I get I guess you could see I I guess you could say that it's boring if you're having to have a talk with your with with the villain in the end but i don't think it's boring i think it's a different type of storytelling uh the vision versus white vision in wandavision <laughs> where they're talking about the ship of theseus i thought that was super cool cuz otherwise it's oh, just yeah, the blasting with head lasers and like we've seen all that before right like Let's mm-hmm. diversify the heroes. Let's diversify the villains. Let's diversify the motives. Let's diversify the fight scenes. Let's diversify just fighting in general. Let's fight with our <laughs> with our mind, right? Um, things are growing. Things are changing. The world isn't the same as what, what it used to be. America isn't the same as what it used to be. Like, uh, uh, we, we see that with Sam Wilson being able to, like, talk his op- opponents. And sure... There are times where he needs to fight someone and you fight, but like U S agent is going in there, you know, (laughs) makeshift shield first and like getting his ass kicked. And like, sometimes you, you know, you need, you you definitely need a Sam Wilson who, you know, who's all the best things in, in one. Uh, I'm excited to see where the United States of Captain America goes. Um, And I mean, there are things that we did not touch on like Superman, revoking his u.s citizenship in order to to serve the world better uh, mm-hmm. uh there's a there's a run in the superman comics where he chooses to walk uh uh across, across america, america to rediscover that american part of him because superman is american but he's also represents the world he saves the world he saves the cat in trees without having to check <laughs> the cat's passport Right, like he isn't like was his cat born in America? No, like Superman doesn't care. You know, do we care that people are dying while they cross the border? Well, Superman cares. Superman would care that, like, like he's he doesn't send people back to their their countries that they're fleeing from. Superman wouldn't do that. I think that that's like a fundamental misunderstanding of the character. If you think that your Superman or that your Captain America would send people back. Like that's a that's a fundamental misunderstanding of those characters, um, and I think that like comics are showing that nuance a little bit better now. Again, by having different voices and different people in the room. Um, yeah, Absolutely. there's a lot. There's a lot. We, I mean, we can keep this going, but but like. It, it, I don't think we're gonna solve. I don't think we're gonna solve <laughs> all these issues or touch on all these issues uh, <laughs> in, in a given sitting of this show. But um, I want to thank you guys, Brian and Justin, for being on the show and talking about it. Uh, uh, dedicating you. a little portion of your night yeah, uh, to, to coming and talking about it. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, you guys both know a bunch of stuff. I love having uh, both of you on the shows, uh, whether it's this show, whether it's Comic Talk, uh, you know. Um, I want to thank the audience out there for watching us. Right now, there's 298 people watching us on volume.com. Um, uh, not everybody has created accounts, but for anyone out there, if you can, create an account on volume.com. Um, you're watching us on volume.com slash the Keeg show. Create an account. It is free to create an account. You can chat with us. The Keeg does multiple shows a week. So if you create an account, you can watch our shows. Uh, we're dedicated to bringing you diverse topics, diverse shows. A lot of them are super fun. This one was more of a discussion and a deconstruction of, of America and comics, but they're not all serious like this. The Keeg Back is definitely our Friday night show where we shoot the shit and we have fun and we we bring on some guests and we just goof around. Uh, then there's also com. That's the Keyback is on Friday nights. Comic Talk is on Thursday nights. We have so many shows that the Key brings you. So definitely, please, uh, 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 kind of uh, invest in us. It doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be those tips. It's just creating a free account, clicking follow wherever you are. Whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on Facebook, whether you're on Twitch. Uh, Volume is our number one platform. We love you guys. We love Volume. That's definitely some place that we we definitely want to grow on. So create accounts, click follow, help support us just by being there, uh, willing to listen. Uh, it's it's always great. Um, as we close up this episode, um, I want to uh, bring it back to Brian and Justin. If you want to say your social media out loud, spell it out if you need to. Tell me any plugs that you have. Tell us about. Um, uh, uh, what you have coming up, that would be great. Uh, Brian, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Uh, you can follow me on TikTok, uh, Captain Comic Rex, R-E-C-S, like recommendations. Uh, it's mostly just me talking about comic books, so if you enjoyed uh, my blatherings tonight, definitely go check that out. I don't really have anything to plug other than, same plug as last time, support your public schools. Uh, pay your taxes. Make sure your public schools are well-funded. <laughs> That's my plug. Yeah. Uh, look, look both ways before crossing the street. Uh, always listen to your mama. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Children are our future. Remember that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, uh, uh, Justin, uh, what, what do you got? Uh, yeah, you can find me on TikTok at moose underscore zero. Uh, I also talk a lot about comic books. I, I do like comic character deep dives. I do comic book recommendations. Uh, I, I do, you know, I've been doing recap videos whenever there's a new Disney plus Marvel show episode drop. Um, but I, I, I talk a lot about, you know, comics on there as well. So if you like, if you like comics, come check me out there. Um, I'm on Twitter at moo, like a cow, uh, underscore. So like a needle pulling thread. So M M O M O O underscore S E W. Uh, and then on Instagram, I'm at just Reno. So J U S T E R I N O, um, that I mean that one's is just like I, I it's just I I I I regret uh not planning ahead for the fact that I would have as big a following on TikTok as I do, and so therefore consolidating all my social media handles to the same thing, um, but such is life, and uh you know you, you can you can find me across all of those if you wish. Yeah. Uh. I, I always think it's funny when people have like, like they have all their social media and it's always a different name in each one. Like, 
like Justin has that, and then Darth Chaco. I make fun of Darth Chaco mm-hmm. all the time. Like, <laughs> like he's like Darth Dot Chaco. He then on one it's like Darth Chaco Seven. On another one it's Darth Chocolate, and on another one it's like <laughs> I don't know. It's just like come on. Yeah, I think it's so funny. But you guys keep doing what you're doing because <laughs> whatever you're doing, it's working. So let people work for it. You know, let people work hard yeah, to find absolutely. you on social media. You know. Then you know they're real fans. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you to Justin. Thank you to Brian for coming on the show. Uh, you guys have great analytical minds, and you know your 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 stuff. Uh, it's always great having you on. Thank you to the fans yet again. Uh, once again, yeah, on the Keeg, we have multiple shows, but you could find out all about our shows on social media at uh, at the Keeg Show on Instagram. Um, that's primarily where we post our schedules and and keep everybody informed and then also on tiktok at the keeg show uh where it's me posting a lot of videos about my thoughts and uh different things uh if you're on one of those two social uh, media applications definitely follow us there and then uh i'm in the process of getting all these episodes put up as podcast episodes um it's been an undertaking i'm all caught up on comic talk and our after shows putting those up there, but I'm going to get the key live episodes, including this one up on our podcast. You can find those on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google play, SoundCloud, so on and so forth. Uh, I think those are the ones that we're on. We might be on some other ones, but uh, we shall see. Um, <laughs> uh, but you could definitely, so if you're just tuning in, you can catch that podcast episode soon. So stay tuned. Uh, uh, if you, if you're into podcasts, but thank you yet again for watching it, for being on the show. Um, we got shows coming up, so stay tuned for more stuff. Thank you so much. I'm out of breath. Once again, I'm your host, Dimitri <laughs> Pereira, and this has been The Keeg Live. Take care, everybody. Peace out. <laughs>